Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck. I just shot a freaking big buck. That one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Boom. Look at the size of that deer. Happy New Year's. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Uh, today is December 31st, uh, report, recording this intro. I uh, got to do a sweet episode with Eric McKay this week. He's a, he's a local guy to me. We don't live very far apart, you know, West Michigan area. He's a guy that, uh, you know, first conversation I've had with him, other than, you know, just doing some messaging on social media, and it went really well. Like, we're very similar. Uh, fun to talk to a guy that, you know, is tore up about hunting. He, you know, he does a lot of out west hunting too, which is really cool, chasing elk and mule deer and you know antelope and those kind of things. So I really liked having the conversation, chit chat with him about that. Because I mean, a lot of us guys in Michigan, you know, we see the out west stuff, and I think it's uh, something a lot of people want to do. And a lot of people we know would go out west and do that because I mean, we're tore up with hunting, and you see that new challenge and that new adventure. And hearing him talk about it is it gets me pretty fired up. I mean, I got to do that spring black bear hunt, you know, this year and. It was uh, it was really really fun and uh, just a whole nother kind of experience and I really enjoyed it and uh, I know that uh, it, it's it's on the front of uh, you know me and my wife's brain to you know try to every year maybe do something out that way if that be you know even a whitetail hunt out west or pheasant hunting or you know any of those other kind of options so I do like I do like having those conversations with him and. Uh, you know, he's someone I know that I can reach out to and with questions because like I said, he's, I think he said he did it maybe 12 years he's been going out West. So what a cool guy with a lot of resource there. Um, but yeah, we had a great conversation. Uh, he had a great fall, you know, killing some animals, um, out West, uh, home state of Michigan, you know, he shot whitetails in other States. So good overall, you know, end of the year kind of recap for him. Um, and we also talked about some things like, you know, he, he feels like he could do better at, um, for the following year with, you know, um, some adversity he faced. Uh, so even someone like him, who's been doing this for, you know, quite a while at a high level, uh, lots of success. I mean, man, he, uh, <laughs> seeing the video, that dude's got quite the wall of animals. Uh, really cool to see that, uh, and, uh, hearing the passion in his voice, you know, gets me fired up. But, um, no, I kind of wanted to touch base on me, you know, like right now, like I said, it's Sunday the 31st. I actually did an intro for this. Uh, and then as I was kind of editing it through, I completely screwed it up. Um, so I couldn't save it. I'm not, you know, I'm sure maybe someone who's a little more handy or better at editing could have fixed some things, but yeah, I screwed it up. So I'm just redoing this thing again. So hopefully it still comes off uh, good, but, um, I usually just give it one rip and let her go, but. No, I wanted to touch base on some things I want to do for 2024, you know, tomorrow, uh, also, and you know, finishing this year, I'm hoping to maybe, you know, get after a doe tonight with my bow or tomorrow morning or both, um, been trying to kind of do that for the last, you know, week or 10 days, but the, 
the days haven't really coincided with good weather and then you know you wake up the next morning and then you know check your cameras or whatever on food sources and it's like yep you know even if I was sitting there I want to see anything that came you know two three hours after shooting light um so I uh, you know kind of it's, it's the end of the year so I think I'm just going to go just to do it you know grab the backpack with the saddle and the sticks in there and go climb a tree one last time 2023 so um I just really like it I mean it's just it's just a good time you know just go kind of try to play the game with your bow and maybe get a doe to come in close and make it happen you know I think I do this every year and I don't I don't know if I've ever shot a deer this late in the year with my bow um but that is uh kind of how I'm gonna end that and then me and Tyler are going rabbit hunting tomorrow too during the day uh we are going to do rabbit chasing more so than rabbit hunting we're just gonna take the dogs I don't know if we'll even bring a gun oh I'll probably bring my pistol I usually always like to have my pistol with me just in case I see a coyote or something you know uh just shoot or maybe a few squirrels if uh Tyler's he likes he likes squirrel more than I do um more so because he's like I said he like we've talked me and Tyler had a podcast before that kid man he grew up you know small game hunting so like I, I really look up to him and you know his passion for it and he kind of drew me back into it so um but yeah he likes he likes squirrel and he cooks it really good and I think one of these times I'm just gonna have to do it too but yeah we'll we'll do that like I said more rabbit chasing get the dogs kind of like you know eased into it we're not gonna go too hard you know they gotta they gotta stay in shape or they don't really get a chance to stay in shape you know in the off season because like most of their stuff's private property and we don't run our dogs on that you know during uh deer season and we kind of feel the same way about deer hunting I mean we're both deer hunters too so last thing I want to have happen even if it is the middle of the day is you know when a guy went through there with his dogs and you know maybe they they disturb the deer I mean very rarely do we jump deer up in some of our spots because last thing we want to do is have our dogs chase deer give them the opportunity but it does happen so and and Tyler's actually been kind of doing some late season doe hunting so he's kind of wrapping that up this year so you know we haven't had great weather to go after rabbits so it's, that's kind of made it easy just to wait but yeah, January 1st hits, that's when we kind of, our focus kind of shifts to that, um, you know, and then we'll do that until, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll run rabbits still in March, you know, just because the weather might be warm and not the greatest, we'll, doesn't necessarily mean we shoot any, but we'll let our dogs chase, and I mean, we do that because that's, I mean, dude, for me, that's, the, I don't think I would rabbit hunt if I didn't have dogs or had buddies with dogs, because that's, that's my enjoyment out of it. Yeah, the thrill of shooting at something running is kind of fun. You know, you can do the brush stop and thing. Like, I did that when I was younger, but I'm kind of, I kind of really enjoy watching the dogs, you know, run the rabbits. So don't get me wrong, like, you step on a brush pile and one takes off from right in front of you when there's a foot of snow on the ground and you pull up with a 410 or the 22 pistol and you drop it. That's pretty exciting too. So, um, but no, I, I uh, really look forward to that. And then I also want to touch base on a few things I'm going to do, you know, kind of got, I kind of just sat down and kind of thought about some things for 2024 from a gear perspective. Uh, I really want to, you know, look into getting maybe a two panel saddle. That's something I've been, you know, this is, they've, you know, the two panel saddles have been out for a while. This is my sixth or fifth, fifth or sixth season I've had, you know, a saddle and I've used it and I've always used a single panel and I, uh, have some friends that got, you know, the, the two panel and I've tried them on and I've kind of hung off a tree with them and I really see the benefit of that. So I'd love to, you know, add that to the, the, you know, the, the toolbox per se, you know, I, like I said, I have, I have hang on tree stands. I got a saddle. I, I try to have a lot of things for, you know, different circumstances. I, you know, hunt out of homemade blinds, I hunt out of ground blinds, I, you know, do that kind of thing too, so I'm, I'm not one, uh, 
I'm not just one guy that I'm only a saddle hunter. I'm only a bow hunter, you know. I just, I like to hunt. I like to be out there and do those kind of things. So the same goes for my gear. So two-panel saddles kind of on the radar. Also a new bow sight. Uh, I actually already ordered a new bow sight because I, I feel like I have a good bow sight. Like it's nice. It's a new, got a new bow. So I end up getting a new sight, new accessories, you know, for the most part. Um, I didn't go crazy because, man, them things... They're just, everything's expensive, you know, from archery to scopes to, you know, arrows, all these things, camo. And I looked at them and I was like, man, I really don't want to spend that much money for that site because I have a, I had a site similar to that. And there's a few things I didn't like. Um, there's some concerns I had from like a longevity standpoint. And I was like, for that premium price, you know, I'm just not comfortable with it. And I could have been totally wrong. Like, I could probably should have bought that site. I've been totally happy with it. But said so I went to, like, a little cheaper site, which I felt like for the money I was getting more things, like more options, more precision, um, really, you know, good reviews, well-built site, all those things. Like, I have no complaints on that. Um, it's just there's a few things that are really important to me, like the my ability to see the, the site tape in low light, um, not good. Hard to pick out that. Um, there's some little things, there's little knobs, there's little, you know, adjustment things that you have to do when you want to move your pin, um, that are kind of, you know, they're difficult, you know, I guess there's more difficult than other sites. Um, you know, the, the bonus is that when you do lock that site in, it is not going anywhere, but when you want to move that in the heat of the moment in low light, it's a struggle. Did not cost me anything this year, but I feel like it's definitely something that could, you know, cause trouble in the, in the future. So I kind of wanted, I want to do something different for that. Um, that's probably a site that I'm either going to keep, you know, around or maybe I'll sell. But I, as of right now, it's probably going to be something I'm going to keep on the shelf. Might throw it on a bow for someone else. Because I feel like, I feel like I'm being a little picky maybe with it. But that's kind of how I am. I mean, I like gear. Like I've talked about, like I like gear and I'm kind of not a gear snob, but I also like my gear. So I, I roll through things and try to, you know, move pieces to get other things and get it where I like it. So that's, uh, that's on the front of the list for that. Um, like I said, uh, with the saddle thing, the two panel thing. And then also I'm going to add ring of steps to my platform. Uh, ring of steps is something that I, has been around for a long time, but I really like the idea of doing that with my saddle platform. Cause I have a smaller platform instead of going to a bigger platform. Um, I bought a lightweight hang on tree stand. Uh, so then, you know, some of those trees that you need a little bit, you know, I'm trying to think how to explain this the best. Some trees, I feel like there's pretty much every tree you want, you can make it work in a saddle. But then certain way the tree is or where your primary shots are, the best way to climb the tree because that's just the tree you need to be in, um, especially my private properties where I can pre-scout them and know it just makes sense to grab a lightweight hang on tree stand and go, you know, carry that on your back and go set up that night and hunt it that way. If I'm going to public land or places I've never been, I'm always going to default to the saddle because it's lighter. You know, I, I there's a lot more options from... Um, the regard to, okay, I have a wide open forest or a wide open oak ridge or something like that. Uh, yes, you can hang the tree stand on the backside of the tree, you know, face the wrong way per se on the stand, um, and be like a saddle where you're standing up with the tree between you and where you suspect deer coming from use a cover. But I would much rather do that with a saddle. Uh, and then I can, when I'm walking around, I don't have a stand hanging up past my head or anything. So just covering ground is easier with just a backpack that's very compact with my saddles, you know, platform and sticks in there. So, like I said, there's a lot of good things for that, but 
because of that, I would like to incorporate rain steps to kind of give me more options of, you know, getting around the tree, uh, maybe, you know, repositioning my feet. They're a lightweight option. That's something I've wanted to do for a while, so that's on the radar. And then also I have a little bit of, you know, habitat work I want to do uh, on some properties that could be, you know, structuring food plots, screen, uh, some chainsaw work, you know, those kind of things are on the radar also. Uh, looking forward to clearing out some areas, making more browse, sunlight hit the ground, you know, the basics, very basic stuff. Like I'm basic in the habitat thing. I mean, the properties I have permission and properties family owns, you know, they got ag around. So there's always food, but there's also getting to the point where it's like, hey, it's getting, you know, this stuff's getting older, more mature. It's really not holding the deer like it should be. Let's let's do our part and kind of, you know, make it a better property to, you know, sustain generations of hunters, you know, family and that kind of thing. And then I also am going to try to gain some more access or private. That's always on the front of my mind in the off season. Uh, last couple of years, I've done good at getting some, you know, access for small game hunting, turkey, coyotes, rabbits, that kind of thing. But I haven't really got any whitetail stuff. So I'm going to kind of make it more a point to find a few spots. There's some there's some property types that I think I'm going to try to take advantage of, you know, um, things I haven't asked on before uh, because of X, Y, Z. Uh, go back and re-ask some spots that it's been a while since I've been there, you know, try again. Uh, do that but then also I really want to focus on getting some new spots to hunt for you know on the public land side of things you know state ground because you know just because last couple of years I've had really good deer to hunt on my permission stuff you know there's ebb and flow and everything so going into this fall it could be one of those years where there's not as many options so you know I might you know might only have one deer that I'm targeting and he's on a property that's only good late October or only good the first five days of the season or doesn't show up until December, you know, one of those things might happen. So what am I going to do the rest of the year? I'm not going to just sit there to sit there. I need to be confident and that will be, um, something I, I love being confident when I go hunt, hang a tree and do that. So I want to get some more state land so I can have that same kind of, a um, you know, add to the, add to the repertoire of spots. I mean, I have a couple areas I like this year. Um, I noticed there's a lot more human pressure, that definitely affected the deer. So I need to kind of like not necessarily abandon ship on those properties, but they're not, you know, they're not um, something I can just be like super confident that, Hey, if I go in here, I'm the first dude that's been in here. So I might have a good hunt. I might not be. So I'm going to kind of take what I've learned from those properties and those different spots and try to find more and just keep adding to the repertoire and having those things to fall back on. So that's kind of my look, my, my outlook for 24, you know, this off season and these next few months, that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, busy look forward to it man love love this time of year um especially if i'm if you're not white till depressed that can be a good time of year because you can already start looking forward and make game plans for next year so but if you are white till depressed it's okay you know if it didn't go out you know the year didn't go out how you wanted just try to look back at it and you know make some mental notes um what you may can work on or man i sat here and here and here and didn't see what you wanted to see or you're just limited on access so that really you know didn't have any good good hunts because of that maybe start door knocking doing all these things finding some state land just trying to you know trying to just keep building to that experience and getting to that point where you have all this information that just makes it you know a lot lot easier on yourself going into the next year try to not necessarily be ahead but be like good game plan and then uh yeah man i mean it's january 1st is right here like i said this episode's launched and it's 2024 by the time you guys will hear this and uh 
go out there, enjoy creation, get after it. Um, don't sleep on small game hunting this time of year. It's good to get out there, walk around, um, you know, see new ground. Uh, it's, it's fun, man. I mean, I look forward to this time of year and me and my buddies get to go out there and chase rabbits. It's good, you know, some good fun. I mean, we've, me and Tyler did an episode earlier this year. Uh, one of the first ones I did about, you know, how small game hunting is legit. I mean, we have such a good time. It's, it's just, you know, can rekindle friendships. It can, you know, keep you in good health because you're out there, you know, walking around, seeing dogs work and doing all that. And then, like, I use it as a scouting thing, too. I mean, I scout a lot of properties because of it. So, yeah, don't sleep on small game money. But I do I do appreciate everyone that gives us a listen and uh, supports Michigan Wild. Uh, I've been doing this for, like, six months now. It's been great. And uh, like, I, like I like to say, go out there, enjoy creation, get out there with your family, do that, and uh, enjoy this episode with Eric. All right, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Uh, this week's episode is with Eric McKay. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. All right, well, what's going on, man? Uh, Eric is, he is someone, I don't even know how this, okay. So I did a podcast with Dan Johnson on the Nine Fair Chronicles. I want to say 2000, maybe 19-ish, I did it. Um, and then you were actually someone that reached out to me the next day and said, dude, great episode you know, fellow Michigan hunter, you know, all that stuff. So we became Facebook friends that yeah. next day. And we've just been kind of like, I don't know how many posts you see for me. Cause I don't post very much, but I know every time you post a picture, it's got some dead critter in it. So <laughs> I always like it. And from seeing you from a distance and I reached out to you and was like, dude, you had an awesome fall. We need to talk about it. So that's kind of our backstory, but why don't you kind of tell everyone kind of what you do for a job and uh, how old you are and how long you've been hunting Michigan and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I'm 36. I'm a blueberry farmer, which uh, we have a very large blueberry farm for the area. I mean, I think we're one of the largest family owned blueberry farms in Michigan. Um, we're on the west side there by Grand Haven. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been hunting since I was, I don't know, walk, you know, with my dad. And uh, so we've always had, had our land and, and all that. We don't own a lot of woods anymore, but it's mostly blueberry fields, but we own land up north um, in the Manistee National Forest area and um, took it pretty serious, you know, when I was uh, getting going with it and my dad got me on the woods and um, I work a lot in the summer, but having the blueberry season, you know, I'm not a corn farmer, so I don't have to harvest in October, November. So having the lifestyle we do, I, I can get out hunting quite a bit and I can take off a lot of time in the fall. And that's probably part of my success. Cause I mean, half of it is just getting out and a lot of guys are just real tied up and busy. And I got a five-year-old son too. So, you know, that keeps me busy enough. I don't nearly hunt as much as I used to. I just utilize my time um, when I do, you know, strategically and yep. get her done, you know? Yeah. So. I think it's one of those things like you're, we're similar age. So like we, we're past the point of like just hunting every day. Like it used to be me as a kid. Like I want to hunt every weekend, every day I can. I'm just sitting in a tree to now having lifestyle set up that you can use your gut feeling. You know, obviously if it's 80 degrees, you can still shoot a deer. Like it could happen, but it's like, Hey, we have flexible enough work schedules in life that 
if that cold front's hitting or something seems right or the right time of year, we have the ability to like, we're hitting the woods, you know, and our, right. and that, I think that, like you said, that's kind of like an under, uh, under, I don't know if it's undersold, but like, it's super important to especially try to shoot like a higher age class deer because they don't, it's not like they're, they're, they're like the deer I've killed the past few years. It's not like they've been on a trail camera. I've seen them every time I'm hunting. It's like, they're just so random and sporadic. You almost have to like develop that over the years to know when they like your property. It's kind of like what it comes down to. It's not like I have access to a mile by mile area where I can kind of like find them. I have to like my little 20 acre, 40, 60 acre piece. This buck's only here this time of year sweet i got my life set up where i can take that thursday off if i need to or that tuesday so that's a big part of success for sure oh it is man i mean just being able to go when you need to go and i think that's it's persistence you know like i'm i think i'm successful in a lot of ways because uh i just know when it's going to be good and then i get after it like it's like flipping a switch you know and and there's plenty of times throughout the the hunting season that i I know it's not going to be that good. I visibly see deer, I, you know, trail cameras. I mean, everything data-wise that I put together, you know, I can just, I, I sat maybe six times in October. That's it in Michigan, you know? And people are like, well, don't you like hunting? You know, this and that. It's like, yeah, I love hunting, but if my spot isn't perfect, you know, I'll go hunt public or dink around somewhere or just hunt some stupid spot I don't really care about, shoot a doe, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I just save that that time for when I need it. And when I, when it's time, it's, it's, it's go time. You know, I, I get after it and I think that's how I've been successful, you know? So now like on those pieces that you do have like uh private property, I'm assuming or permission property, mm -hmm. how long has it taken you like a, a while to like kind of get them dialed to like, I'm assuming you have like good access. And like you said, the time of year is so important. Is that just something you've learned from failing or like do you really rely on trail cameras like how do you like pinpoint that yeah i man I, I will say when i was younger i hunted like every day like you were saying and i and it didn't help me in any way it just it helped me fail so i learned from it you know what i mean and i i just know our property so well and i know when the deer are going to be in them now that yeah historical day, data and just just experience of of being out there so long i've got to just dial mm -hmm. you know yeah some so, seat time you know and like you know every part of michigan i'm sure there's different times of rut and this and that but like around our our area it's it seems like that last week of october all of a sudden they just show up like you'll see no decent bucks and all of a sudden like october 24th ish it's like something flipped a switch and that's just when they're around i'd rather hunt that last week of october in michigan than probably any other time personally mm -hmm. you know that's it's a good just, time and we got good neighbors that manage deer well and um that is a huge reason why that was I, my next question <laughs> I get yeah yep because you know, you know, i'm not just wandering in the woods i know where the big ones are i know yep. where they're coming from i know what they're gonna do i know when they're probably going to be there you just gotta catch them in daylight and and uh i've been successful doing it so yeah but there's so much um I, like I can relate because like, I think we kind of have a sim, we don't really hunt that far apart from each other. You know, I'm farther East, but we're the same, you know, North South pretty much. Cause I'm, you know, almost I'm by close to Grand Rapids. So, I mean, we're really not that far the way the crow flies kind of thing. So, I mean, very similar time frame and similar pressure, probably like there's a lot of, there's a lot of houses. There's a lot of people that hunt, they're a little 10 acre pieces and all that. But 
to be successful, there's been, I just have like years of failures, like, you know, or year, like years of sits, like, and like, I know we're saying fail, like maybe like, I don't want to take it so negative, but like, I try to, when I was really getting after it, like when I was in my early twenties, you know, had more free time, didn't have a family yet, those kind of things. I tried to like have every sit just be like, you learn something from it. Like, okay, why am I going here? Why am I, what do I see? You know, have a trail camera place. I never, man, I first got trail cameras, like from how I used to run trail cameras, how I run them now, like just trying to always be better and not like be content because like you said, there's big deer around, like you'll see them driving or you see them glass in the summertime. So I was always really driven, like, okay, so-and-so shot one down the road from me. That was like, I seen that buck in the summertime. Like that really isn't that far away from where I can hunt. Is he over here? And like, you know, you start trying new things and doing different things. And like, I remember when I was like probably 21, 22 years old, I would, I would go and I finally learned about that time frame, like time of year for properties. Like I always liked to hunt. Like I was never one that didn't like to hunt, but I've learned that like one property, I didn't even hunt it the one year until October 26 because I learned through trail cameras and leaving them up all year that like there was no point hunting there until then. I no. would just scoop the does. I mean, I went in there the October 26 first hunt of the year, hang and hunt and shot a sweet buck. Like the yeah. biggest buck I think still to this day score wise. And I, that took me like four years to figure out on that property, you know, but every year it's like, okay, I'm not successful. Why? Or why, what worked and what did it? And I think, you almost got to like, if you're tore up by, you kind of put the extra effort into thinking that way. And dude, it takes time. And I grew up in a family of hunters, you know, like my right. dad's been hunting, my uncles, my grandpa's like, I've been surrounded by hunters, but still like for you and your property, you have to like invest that time. And now after, you know, 15 years, let's say, um, you know, I've been bow hunting since I was 12, but like, since I got a driver's license, you know, since I was 16, I could start driving my own shoot that's some 33 so that's over 15 years i'm finally figuring out some of these properties and like it's so much so when you just see a picture of like oh we had a good year it's like dude there's so much into that that i don't explain it people think i'm blessed with like this you know deer park fun land farm and honestly there's <laughs> not that many deer there's not that many deer and i'm very lucky i'm grateful for what we have but i mean i learned on public you know i i learned and i I still, I mean, in Illinois this year, I shot one on public and out West, I shot an elk on public. I mean, I still get after the public, it's still fun, but uh, but having the private in Michigan is, is nice to have. And yeah, it, it has taken me a lot of time, you know, the trail camera game is, is fun. Um, the cell cameras, I almost feel like it's cheating, but it's still like, I almost have as much fun putting cameras out with my son and just getting pictures yep. of deer, you know? And, and it's weird The around us, like you'll see deer in the summer and then they'll kind of disappear for a while. And then that October 25, you know, time span comes around and I know when to get after it. And like you said, I, I there's plenty of years I, I haven't hunted until October 25th, at least my good stands. Yep. And uh, I know, I know everybody wants to get out hunting, but sometimes it's just best to stay out. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah there is, I, I believe it 100% that you have, you can have one property that can do it all. Like, I do think that you could have an awesome 80 or an awesome 40. Oh, yeah. Um, but there is, it takes time to learn a property and have it be a good early season spot because you can burn that. If you hunt that thing, I think if you hunt it three times before October 10th, you could burn that spot for the entire October for a mature buck until rut comes in. So, I mean, you got to make sure you're really calculated and that's a good, a good idea. 
but uh there's there's that doesn't mean it's good every year in early october either like that's another element to it um but like it's funny you say this about you know a buck like like yeah i've been told the same thing you just have great you know you have you just have the best property ever it's like well i don't think it's the best i just get you know lucky because i'm educated but like i have a buck i found a shed this spring and he i saw him this summer like four or five times glassing and I was like, man, that's a really nice buck. Like he's probably like a borderline, like I, should, I think he's four and a half. And I kind of, you know, I'm kind of on the fence between a four-year-old and five-year-old just trying to get better. Like I'm, all I'm doing really is just climbing the ladder. Like I've shot a handful of three and a half-year-olds. I've shot a handful of, you know, four and five-year-olds. So I'm trying to kind of like, I never really know where I'm at, but I'm trying to climb the ladder. So I was like, okay, you know, inventorying these bucks. So I set a camera in this area. I seen him glassing and I just finally pulled that card. It sat there all year, and he only was on that camera one time, October twenty fourth. That's it. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how is that pot? Like, where did that deer go? No idea. No one's shot him. He's really big. Um, so it's like, okay, if I kill that deer next year, it's gonna be like, I'm gonna have to be really diligent. I'm gonna move some, maybe move some cameras into some different spots. But like, he was on camera one time and, and no, I'm talking like not daylight. Like this is one nighttime picture of this deer. Yeah. And it's like, well, I found a shed and I've got a trail camping. I know he summers here, but like, that's a tough spot to be in, you know, like, it's like, that's not a guarantee I'm ever going to see that deer, but I have a game plan going into this fall of how either me and my wife or my brother-in-law could get on this deer because he could be special. So that's the, <laughs> it's not like I have these deer, like, on a string yep every thursday they're going to be here every tuesday they're here i got trail cam picks galore of them no that's not the case at all you know and we and we seem like we both hunt more mature deer i mean that's a whole different beast you know it's they're they're just so much more elusive especially in michigan like if you can kill a four-year-old in michigan every year like no offense to the other guys in the other states but like it's harder like in michigan and in other states it I, I want, don't want to say it's easy because it's never easy, but man, Michigan can be tough. You know, there's just a lot of pressure, a lot of people, the woods around us. I mean, there's really nothing impassable that you can't walk through, yep. you know, and, and like I've gone to other states and it's so thick, literally a human being can't get through there other than maybe some swamps up north that are difficult and, uh, and all that. But the pressure here just, it just changes the deer. Like, like if I shoot a deer in Illinois, compared to Michigan, it's it's almost like it's a different species of deer, you know, or in Wyoming, a mule deer is a different species than, well, it is a different species compared to Illinois, like just the alertness, yeah. the the ability to, to get on a mature one in Michigan is, I give a lot of guys credit in Michigan that can kill mature ones every year because they're putting their time in, you know. Yeah, I hunted, uh, I hunted a lot of state, I, I think I did five days in Illinois this uh this year we had a lease and then that didn't really the it was like the worst wind for the lease like we only had access from the south and all we have was south winds for like eight days so i hunted a lot of state land and here i am like you're like dude like these are not easy spots to get to and i this one spot i found i was on a tree and i was in between like two or three trees so i felt pretty concealed um but like they're all big trees and i was just like man if i see a deer it's gonna bust it's gonna get 30 yards from me and see me sitting here you know nope they walk really 10 feet from you never look up they don't even like care uh so i don't i think it is a lot of thing to do with pressure and like how often they see humans 
they because it sounds like like in that state gun season is when they see a lot of people like gun hunting is like but it's only three days of that and i think it's easier to kill a four and a half year old buck in other states because i think there's just more of them that's another big thing too you know there's more of them and they're not they haven't smelled humans as often or get bumped around um i pulled a camera this week on state land a piece that i've had a this is the third year in a row i've had a camera in there and i hunted it once this year i had every year i've had like a three-year-old buck on the camera and multiple other bucks this year i think i had a four-year-old and i want to say it was like october 26th from october 26th to november 16th i had five guys walk by that camera and really? guess how many deer i saw how many <laughs> bucks i saw after that zero <laughs> you know i saw does still but the bucks were just like yeah we're not gonna hang out here anymore because yeah just influx of people i've had cameras in other spots that i won't even i won't even have a, a deer on it and i'll have just people on it you know like it just right. like you said that's it's not that hard to walk to like a lot of these pieces unless it's like really thick cover you go to illinois man if you want to walk to that one spot you the elevation change you have to do just to get there or where yeah. you have to park to get there is like you have to be committed like oh yeah to go there so there is a little bit of yeah there's differences in that and i think that's what helps some of those states iowa i've hunted there just on private that's a whole nother animal but even like driving around and seeing some of their like public land i'm like just drooling i'm like oh gosh i would love to be able to hunt that you know Michigan's like, cool, it's a big swamp, but like how many deer really live in that big swamp, you know? Right. You know, and like the when I go out of state too, it just it changed my whole persona of Michigan too. It made me hunt it smarter in a way. And just like when you see different elevation and changes like when I go out west, you know, it makes you kind of work for it a little bit more. So it's nice to come back home and just get in my comfy spot back in Michigan too, you know. So my dad always said, you know, you can be an old man and sit in a tree stand. So get after it while you can, you know. So, but I'm, you know, my son's getting older. So it's going to, it's going to change here a little bit. I'm going to stick around home a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, having, having the ability to go out of state and having those experiences, like no one ever has, I say do it and try it. And it's, it's just, it, it makes you more of a wholesome hunter. It makes you adapt a little bit. I mean, I, my stand in Illinois, I didn't want to get above the canopy of some sassafras. And I mean, I was nine foot up in a tree, you know, it's like, you don't have to go 25 foot like in Michigan where everybody thinks and every deer sees you from a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Just go hunt and you kind of learn different areas. And I mean, I've hunted a private piece down in Illinois. I've hunted a lot of public. I've killed more. Some of my biggest bucks actually came off of public. But, um, you know, just being uh, mobile, always, always have that in mind. And um, sometimes I never hunt the same tree. I mean, it's, yep. I like moving a lot. And, you know, some guys just get stuck in that same stand. And that's fine if you just want to go out and shoot your deer. But you want to hit these mature deer, you know, it's, it's you got to put the work in, you know. So I, I just enjoy it, you know, and I got like five Iowa points. I'd like to make it out there um at some point but i've been stuck on that west buck so bad i haven't haven't planned a hunt so yeah so let's roll into your out west hunts a little bit like when do you i guess kind of like what have you done and like when do you is that like a september thing for you or are you like going and chasing mule deer in october or like when do you kind of how does that look for you i mean i think because you went with a gun this year right and got an elk with a gun or did you get with your yeah. bow this year you got a with your gun yeah so you're giving up october to go hunt elk 
or part of your October, right? Because that's yeah, usually gun season October. Right. Yeah. I mean, historically, I've gone Montana, um, Wyoming, Colorado for elk. I've killed elk. Um, big one in Montana. I've killed like three or so let me see here. I've killed three elk in Colorado, um, all with a rifle. Um, I like rifle hunting elk just because it's, you know, a little easier in a way if you do get a chance. Um, but I've current come to love the bow hunting them too. I've gone out to Colorado and I got skunked one year, but we should have had them. Um, this year I drew a Wyoming elk tag. I didn't think I would a general tag and I drew a first rifle Colorado tag and my Sweet. uncle Mike went out there for years and yeah, I didn't, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got two elk hunts. I'm like, this is going to be crazy. So we went out in September in Wyoming and, uh, Southern Wyoming and it was big country, you know, thick though. And me and two of my buddies went out there and we rode bikes like four miles in hiked way in and i i mean i hiked the dunes along the shore here just to stay in shape for this stuff you know and yeah it's it's just different if you've never been on a lesson you just you got to keep up on it otherwise you, you're not going to enjoy it as much mm -hmm. and uh we Dude, got my bear hunts kicked my butt like i yeah. went so i i asked I like hey how good a shape we have to be in for this he's like hey you're horseback riding he's like you might yeah. have to walk a little bit and i kind of told him i did for a job he's like i was like do we really need a train he's like oh no you'll be fine uh, no, I was not fine. Like the elevation just like killed me. Um, that took like a couple days to get used to. And like just walking up to the outhouse was like rough, you know? And, uh, but it took by about day four or five, I started like getting my lungs up. But yep. like, I was like, dude, if I, I don't even care if I ever do a bear hunt again, which is really, it is low stress. I mean, you ride horses around, you have to walk maybe a few hundred yards. I mean, those few hundred <laughs> yards are like straight up a mountain, but I think I'm definitely, like you said, you need to get your lungs kind of conditioned for it because I, the elevation really bothered me. And I was just like, remember the whole time me and my wife, we were like kind of joking because we, we would love to do an elk hunt sometime. And we're like, yeah, we're going to like really get in shape to do this. If we, cause we want to, like you said, you don't want to be there and you got limited time and you're like, you're hurting because you're not in shape. There goes, it's not as much fun. You know, like I, I'm in shape and I'm enjoying it. Like, I don't care if I kill something, but I don't want to be like, man, if we would have got over that rise or over that mountaintop, we might've had it been in the game, but I was too big of a wuss to get there. Cause I was out of shape. Yeah. It's intimidating. You know, and I've had a lot of friends ask me cause they're like, Hey man, I want to try this. And you know, it's, it is intimidating the first time you go out, but once you do it and you kind of understand it, you, you really, you really just figure it out, you know, just like whitetail hunting. It's, you just got to make sure that you can have the ability to do it. Um, because it's not for the vein of heart. I mean, when you're carrying that elk meat out, like it's a just a mental show in your head of like, oh my gosh, you know, like you feel so exhausted at 10,000 feet too. You know, a, a lot of these elk I've killed and you're up there, you know, and it, it's just a different element to deal with. But my, my uncle always said too, if you get headaches out there, just take a baby aspirin every day for like a week before you head out there. Just yep. kind of keeps your blood a little thinner. It helps some guys because I don't get the elevation sickness, but um, some people do, you know, and it can ruin you for a couple of days. Yeah. So you feel yeah. about this big when it's happening. You're like, I got to lay down. Like, I, I want to die if I don't lay down is how you feel. So when you right. bonded Wyoming, how did that how did that go for you? Was it a 10 day hunt, five day hunt? What did you end up doing? We drove out. We drove all night, um, got out there, set up camp. Um, we were planning on staying for about a week. Um, my buddies both have kids too, so we didn't want to go too long. Um, 
And the Wyoming general tag can actually carry over to rifle season two. So you could come back with a rifle. So that was kind of half my plan. I'm like, well, if I don't get one, I'll come back with a rifle. And then I drew the first rifle Colorado. I'm like, well, I'll be out there anyway. And the ha happens to be the season for Wyoming is um, just a couple of days after that one. So we went out and uh, we got after it. I mean, we were calling, uh, we kind of learned how to bugle good this year. Um, cow call and my buddy joe's the best caller by far out of all of us and we we all drew back on elk big ones too i mean big bulls and we were we were into them for three days and we just never got a shot you know we never never got um you know just thick spruce um we just never got a, a good open shot to to really you know take a lethal kill but uh so we we, we tuckered out on that we failed but I went back out in Colorado. Um, it'd be like mid October, which is perfect because I don't really like hunting Michigan that much then that time of year. I usually just go up north duck hunting or something. But um, I went out there by myself because I'd only do that tag. And I kind of know this area well. And I heard that the best thing about first rifle if anybody ever goes to Colorado, you do have to draw, like it takes a point or two sometimes. But it's only five day season so a lot of people are like oh man i'm not gonna get it done in five days it's like dude hike as hard as you can go as hard as you can you will be ready to come home after five days if you <laughs> did if you do it the way you should you yeah. know like don't sit at camp just always be out there all day long any time of day but every time i've gone out first rifle they're always bugling still so you can locate them oh sweet yeah and it, it's just it's awesome it's like you're hunting the rut with a rifle in a way you know they're they're kind of herded up i mean the one elk i shot probably out of a group of 80 of them and then this year i probably shot i shot a five by four smaller raghorn but uh he was in a group of about 30. and uh so they're pocketed they're a little more they're not as yeah. dispersed so you, that's what you're saying like get out there hike mm -hmm. find them because once you find them there could be a good bull in that group Right. And they always, it always seems like that first rifle um, season, that time span in Colorado, they get like their first good snow and it really pushes them down. So that high, them high country bulls, I mean, some of them stay up there all the time. They never come down, but um, they'll move down to the, to the private land, but you just find that happy medium in, in between. I found, you know, 8,000 to 9,500 feet in the areas, the Aspens is where they are, that first rifle. And I've never not tagged out. Um, That's sweet. So, so yeah, you go by I, yourself. Are you like staying in a hotel, staying in your truck? Do you have a tent? Or what do no, you do I, I do tent that? it. Yeah, That's man. Awesome. I, I'm not made of money. I I, I like roughing <laughs> it. You know, like I, I'll wear the same t-shirts from high school, you know, for years. I don't care. But what I'll spend Priority, money man. On, on my equipment and stuff like that. But I'm like, no, I'm, I want to be right out where I'm hunting. So yep. Yeah, I camped the first night out there. It was 13 degrees. That was my next question because, like you said, it's like it's cold. Like, if you have snow that time of year, it's yeah. cold up there. Yeah. Dang. It, it, you got to have a good sleeping bag. And uh, I just tent it and just, I bring usually two sleeping bags just for safety, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just nestle in that thing and fall asleep. And I don't, when I leave in the morning, I usually go up a couple hours before dark, start hiking. And, uh, I stay up there all day until dark. So you're, you're packing a lot of stuff, but it's, uh, it's like rewarding, you know, like I, I find I'm real humble with it. And then a lot of people at home, they like, um, everyone like Joe Rogan always talks about elk meat. Everyone wants to try elk. So yeah. 
a lot of people I'm like, here, I, I definitely gift it out to, to yep. friends and stuff to, to try it. It's, it's good stuff. So it's one of those things where, you know, you, you probably have like that sense of like, I really earned that. And like, yeah. we kind of talking earlier, like you're, you do blueberry farming and that kind of stuff. I'm in construction. So like at the end of the week, you like look back and you feel really good about what you either accomplished or maybe what you could, you wish you accomplished, you know, you kind of set goals for yourself and there's something really rewarding about that lifestyle. And I think that's why I love hunting so much. A lot of people do because you kind of get what you put into it. You know, yeah, you can luck into a, a really big deer or shoot a lot of deer from having a good property, but to kind of challenge yourself and do those kind of things, like I can only imagine what it feels like going up into the mountains by yourself, 13 degrees, middle of nowhere, and you go yeah. hammer an elk. That's like, that's yeah. some, that's right up there. Like I'm, I'm feeling like I would love to do that someday. And uh, like, yeah, how I can see the addiction to it, you know, like why that, why people go, I mean, what is it like, well, they say like your chance of shooting an elk with your bow in Colorado is like 4% or it's, something it's like that. Low. It's super, super low, low, but guys do it every year. You know, every year because they're chasing that. It's so, so rewarding to do that. So, okay, you go up there, you're you're camping by yourself. What day is this first day, third day? When did you end up getting your elk with your gun? I uh, I got I always get out there a little early just so I can scout for a little bit. And it's 24-hour drive, you know. So get out there. I usually stop on the way. I'm driving by myself. I mean, I you don't want to push it. You don't want to wear yourself before you get out there. And uh Get out there. I, I got down there, out there, I don't know, day and a half early, scouted, set up camp, you know, met up a couple of hunters there, a guy and his kid, really nice people. And I, every elk hunter I've ever met has been super, super nice people, you know. And, uh, yeah, I went up um, in the morning. I told the guy and his kid because they actually did camp by me. And they were going in complete different direction. But uh, I said, you know, let me know if you need a hand because his kid was younger and um, he's like, all right, good luck. And he kind of knew I was a serious hunter, you know? So, um, he was laughing at like my Sitka and all this stuff, you know, <laughs> making fun of me. And, uh, you know, I, I went up and I, I saw elk in the morning, um, from a distance and I heard them bugling in some private land, not far away. And I knew they were in there. I, and I know this area pretty well. And if you can catch them coming out in the public before dark, they will. And I sat all day, just hung out there all day and I ended up shooting that dart that elk like 10 minutes before um shooting light that evening so I butchered it um in the dark by myself and I carried the head um back straps and a front shoulder down on the first back out and I was dead I, I almost couldn't make it back you know and Jeez. then the guy was sitting there running with his truck and uh he's like man I got a little worried for you he heard me shoot though so he knew and uh yeah, it was opening night. I, I only hunted in Colorado for one day, Dang. you know, and uh, then I went up the next day and I, I got got it out in three pack outs total. So, Jeez, that's nuts. It, yeah, that's nuts. Three heavy. pack outs. Yep. Yep. But probably, I don't know. I don't know what the first pack out was the heaviest, probably, probably pushing a hundred pounds, you know, and then the other ones weren't too bad, but, but it was downhill. You know, if you, if you can ever strategize it in a way where you can go down, like yep. definitely do that with weight um i i just i i kind of got the stuff figured out you know it's big yeah. i mean it's thousands of acres where i go you kind of found your little pocket you like to be in yeah i mean i know where the elk are so yeah well, um, that go that's the same whitetail hunting like right i mean that's yeah. the same yeah. anything you do i mean you're talking about duck hunting you're talking about these other things like yeah there's all this space for them but you kind of have to like 
get down into your zone and learn your little zone really well. And then just kind of have multiple of those zones because you can't just be like, yep, there's 4,000 acres here. I'm just going to go hunt that. Well, you really have to break that down into like little pieces because otherwise you're just going to be chasing your tail for your five day hunts going to be over with like that, you know, because you're, you're trying to do too much. So, well, yeah. And, and if you're with a buddy and I usually go with a buddy, this is the first time I ever went solo. Um, you know, it's, the other guy's got to shoot an elk too. And if, if one of you gets one, we always help each other pack it out. I mean, it could take a couple of days to get it out. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, that guy all of a sudden, he only has a couple more days to hunt. So you got to use your time wisely and uh, just get after it, you know, and I don't care how late it is and how far it is. I'm just going to go, you know, yep, get it going. done. With us. I can sleep later, you know, sleep when you're dead. That's, yeah. what, that's what my dad always says. My grandpa. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you rolled, you, you got your, your bull in Colorado. And then I'm assuming, did you roll right to Wyoming from there or did. did you go back home? I did. The guy's kid, um, shot, a his first elk, it was a, just a smaller cow elk. And, uh, he goes, Oh, it's just, it's not too far. They didn't shoot actually too far from where we were camping, maybe a couple thousand yards. And, uh, he's like, no, we'll get it out. Nice to meet you. Ha ha. I'm like, I'm going to Wyoming. So I drove to Wyoming. I did have to drop my elk off at a processor in Colorado because oh. it was like 70 degrees when I got down to the lower country. Oh, like, geez. So I bought some dry ice, dropped uh, dropped it off um, in northern Colorado at a place so I could get it taken care of. And then I went to Wyoming. I hunted by myself up there probably four more days until I burned myself out. And we went to the same area we did when we were archery hunting and all the elk were gone i mean i cut maybe a handful of elk tracks in the snow there was like six inches of snow and um i lost like 12 pounds you know i was just tearing it up but i i just they just weren't in there you know and i didn't know the area well enough and it they i think a lot of them were on private down low and uh just you know i tried you know and it sucks to not get one but i learned a lot and um I definitely want to go back someday. You know that. So now you got the. Now you're driven to get one again. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know you you failed quotation marks. You know, but right. it's. I'm sure you've been looking on the online maps and. All right, yeah. I need to try this oh, spot yeah. next time, and you know, roll around. Yeah, dude, that's why I love it too. That same thing. Yeah, but Wyoming's yeah. cool, man. Like Wyoming I was, is a beautiful state. Yeah, so where I bear hunted was like uh it was south of Yellowstone, you know. I think we were like 50 miles from Yellowstone, maybe or 40 or something like that. So we were kind of like north, you know, northwest Wyoming. And the mule deer, we were like mule deer were just coming back into the mountains. We seen moose, we seen you know, elk and all this stuff and the bear and all that. I'm like, dude, I am like in love with this place. Like I was, yeah. I was like, man, if I hit the lotto, I'm moving to Wyoming. Like just I, because I, I, I would love yeah. that, you know? And like you said, then when November comes around, you're done hunting out there. Cause there's six feet of snow by November. Yeah. You just come home to Michigan and you can whitetail hunt. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know. I know. I, I love that. Like when you find those, those uh, seasons out West where it doesn't really interfere with your Michigan stuff, you know, like in September, like I've gone to, Northeast Wyoming several times I've shot a lot of antelope and mule deer there and um, on a big ranch I give them blueberries they yep. love that you know and like you make your name kind of in the area and I'm a farmer so it's easy to talk to farmers and ranchers yep. I've always had pretty good luck with access just because I can talk farmer and yep. you know I'm kind of a traditional old mindset like just I get along with older guys that you know just you know they're just that way you know and that's how my grandpa and everyone in my family is so it's it's 
I can relate, you know, and they don't give away all the secrets. Yeah, I know. I know. You got to be careful. (laughs) Bring a bunch of blueberries or I do. So I do apples. Yeah. yeah. Like I live by, I live by like all the apple trees and all that stuff. So you you tell someone like, Hey, we'll bring some, I'll bring some honey crisp apples from this. Where I live, Michigan's one of the, you know, the biggest producing apple places in the area. You just bring them some bags of that. And then, like you said, like, when you're talking yeah. to a farmer, they can smell BS from a mile away. So, like, you oh, just know you you got you got to be genuine. You got to be straight up with them. Mm-hmm. And if you just if you come there with, you know, you're taking from them by wanting to hunt their deer, use their property, even though a thing of apples is like pennies on the dollar from what you're taking mm-hmm. from them. Just doing that means a lot to a guy or an older lady that owns that because that's how they grew up, you know. Right. You're, you're you're friends with each other. You help each other out. You do those kind of things. Like here, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. And yeah, I've gotten access down here in Michigan. I've gotten, you know, I was man in Illinois this year. I was so close to like getting a huge property. I think if I would have stayed a couple of days, I probably could have gotten in touch with the right person. But yeah. yeah, they you talk to them. It's like, hey, what well, you know, like, and they're like, man, you can't. They're like you. You're lucky you're in my door right now because usually I only let people get through the front door, you know. And I'm like, well, how how is that possible? Like these guys seem super legit. But I think it's just because, like you're saying, you know, that older mindset. You got to be relatable. You got to be honest to yourself. You got to be confident. You know, all those things. And yeah, just right. growing. Like I'm not a farmer, but like my grandpa, dairy farmer. My dad, you know, farmed. My in my father-in-law grew up on a farm. So like I've I've been surrounded by those kind of people and. There is, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's definitely a tactfulness to it and they can, man, dude, they, they know, like, you know, as soon as you walk up to the door, you're like, oh gosh, this person's got me pegged ready. Like they know exactly who yeah. I am. So oh, yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I found too, you know, like we kind of got a specialty crop here, blueberries and, you know, like Michigan has a fruit belt that a lot of people don't know of, you know, like especially along the West side, that sandy acidic soil, just it's from South Haven to Traverse city is just full of it. And, you know, you go to the middle of Wyoming and people don't get fresh blueberries there. You know, there's not a blueberry farm within 500 miles, you know, in Oregon there is. But, um, you know, like like when you bring something special like that, whether say you're like a lot of people I know bring like salmon fillets out from the big lake out, out in areas, you know, a lot, some people don't get fresh salmon. I mean, yeah, you can get it from Walmart, but who knows where it came from. Yep. But, you know, just like little gifts like that. And, you know, if they enjoy it, you keep bringing it back. People don't forget that stuff instead of just saying, oh, yeah, you can go hunt my property. You always just bring something to them, help them out. You know, in Illinois, I help the guy chop firewood in the middle of the day if I'm not hunting. You know, I'll be like, let's go chop some firewood. Let's get some stuff done, you know. And I think he appreciates that kind of thing. And it kind of locks you in on that property Mm -hmm. for a a good time, you know, because you're willing to do a little extra, you know. Yeah, I have a buddy that they, he, so before Onyx really was as popular as it is, he went around and just called people in Missouri. And um, he got in touch with a guy that was, like, in charge of watching and taking care of a lot of different properties for other people. And... He went down there the first time, hit it off that guy. So now every year they go there, they pull a camper down, they stay with a guy. It's just like a big hangout for for them and for him. So like they yeah. always, you know, cook good food when they're there and a good hangout. And the dude just lo- it's it's deer camp for him, you know. Yeah. And when we go out, I, I've been out to North Dakota a couple of times pheasant hunting, and I went with some older gentlemen who've been going for years. And the one guy would bring fresh honey every time like a whole bunch of yeah. honey and he would go to all of his farmers he had permission and he just if they weren't there he'd leave the honey at the door you know like and these guys had thousands of acres they could pheasant hunt because of that 
and yeah. it's there's something to it and like even if i was like my father-in-law he you know he let guys goose hunt one year and he was like he's like they're like well what can you know they were really good kids i'm actually friends with like the, the guy through like i've talked to him a few times but he had the approach of hey you're what would you like and the guy you know kind of got to know him a little bit and then the next day they hunted like in the morning and either that morning than that night they dropped off a little care package at the door with a nice thing saying hey appreciate it here's a picture of what we shot you know that's cool like yeah. If you want to be serious about this, like mm-hmm. this is another conversation I like I have with people. Like, if you're serious about hunting and getting access and doing all these things, you kind of have to just go over and beyond and be creative. And like, I'm serious about this. Like, I, I this is yeah. something I enjoy for me and my family and all that kind of thing. So, what can I do to make it? You know, put the odds in my favor and put the extra effort. And that goal does go a long way. And it sounds like it you're in the go. same mindset. So I, I might have to use the blueberry yeah. trick now. <laughs> you, you might. Dude, stop down and get some. If you go yeah. like a shed hunt or something this spring, and we got frozen ones too, just get a hold Perfect. of Perfect. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's weird, you know, how how their their whole mentality changes when you're like, hey, I'm a blueberry farmer. Um, We got some blueberries in the truck. You want some? They're like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, I guess you can guys go hunting out here for a few days. You yep. know, like, it's just like, it's weird how it just clicks sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't it because that's like you were saying if you got to go beyond above and beyond because it is harder to get access now i mean everything's leased i mean everything i mean to to have a piece of land you don't want to lose it so take care of the people that let you hunt it because you know i know michigan's probably even harder to get access in but out west it seems a little bit easier but you 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 definitely got to put your time in and, and respect the people and then eat the meat you know like show that you enjoy it you know oh. i tell i show him pictures of my son and his favorite steak is deer steak you know and it you know it's it, it's like a wholesome thing you know like not only am i getting to get a trophy possibly or whatever it may be but i also get to eat the thing and it's kind of cool when i can come back home and say hey you want to try this elk from colorado you want to try this mule deer from you know wyoming you know it's like it's like it's just cool you know i mm-hmm. i love it all i love it so much you know that's and lifestyle man it is that's the, the hunter life, the lifestyle, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. yes it is and it's way i wish everyone would experience it you know and and you know not everybody can hunt but uh but i get a lot of i give a couple deer to families that just love deer but they don't have anybody that hunts so I take does out and, uh, yep. you know, I shot, I shot a doe with my son. Um, let's see, it was last weekend. Um, and that was honestly my favorite hunt of the year. Cause he tracked it and, Sweet. you know, it, yeah, because he's at that cabin. he's at the age being five years old. Like, yeah. so Henry, you know, he kind of got thrown in the fire when he was younger because my wife was in master's school. So like, she was buried in a book if she wasn't at school or clinical or whatever. So like, if I wanted to hunt, I had to take him with me. So three years old, you know, he was in the blind playing with his toys. And like, you know, a lot of times he was just there. We were, you know, I just wanted to get out and hunt. So we made it work. But now that he's seven, but the last, like, I bet four or five years old, that dude can track deer so good because he's done so many of them that a lot of times I let him lead just because he can see stuff really well. And it kind of like, you know, I I stand at blast blood and he kind of looks around and find, Oh yeah, here's some dad. Here's some dad. And I'm just like, man, dude, was I, then I, then my dad be like, yeah, you were just like that when you were four years old, you know, like, so it's kind of cool to have that generations of that, but you're going to have your hands full here because Henry shot his, Henry shot his first deer this year and he, he loved going hunting. Like he wasn't, there'd be some days I'm like, Hey dude, we're going like, he's like, Oh really dad? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going. Cause 
you know, if I'm going to hunt, you have to go with me kind of a thing. And then he always liked watching me shoot stuff. And then he never really wanted to shoot one. Um, I was, I was completely content waiting until he was like 10 years old or something. I thought maybe that's what it was going to be. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden this summer, something went, went on inside him and he's like, I want to go dad. So then there was a few things in my head that I, I had to make sure he could handle the gun, right. I had to get him a nice yeah. tripod so he could stand up behind it. He had to be safe with his 22 and do like all those things. And he checked all his box. Went from like no desire to shoot a gun to like all of a sudden like I'm doing this and just was like, all right, he's definitely ready. And uh, yeah, now he's uh, now like now that he shot a deer, he like because we always, I watch a lot of YouTube hunting videos and stuff like that at night before bed, or we take turns or whatever. And he uh, he's been picking some hunting videos to watch, you know, because he he's yeah. like oh, I think. And he shot seven point this year. So he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to shoot eight point next year. You know, he's already like <laughs> doing those kind yeah. of things. But yeah, I, and if he starts shooting a bow here and, you know, pretty quick, I mean, probably by the time he's 10 or 11, he can probably shoot a bow. I'm yeah. going to be really like, yeah, full-time guide is what it's probably going to be. For sure. <laughs> That's the way it should be though, right? I mean, yep. I've, I've gotten enough game in my life. I'm pretty satisfied even now, you know, I won't stop doing it, but I'm totally ready for that transition to mm-hmm. just just show my son what what i've done and and how to do it you know and he's shooting a little bow right now and he's not efficient with a gun yet he shoots bb gun in 22 but nothing i don't trust him in in that aspect to to kill an animal yet but he's you know he's watched me shoot a couple turkeys in the spring and loves sitting with me and snacks so i'm 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 good glad to hear that that you know that seven-year-old mind might change even more so you know from mine because he's just a little dude but you know, like you were saying, he was, they're good at tracking. I mean, they're lower to the ground. They're yep. focused. You know, if they're not watching an iPad or something like that. Like, they're focused when you get them to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he he's really good at it. So, he, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him. He's going to be going to be killing stuff here soon. So Yeah, he's going to follow the tradition, I'm sure. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I think as long as you, you know, it's always that thing. Like, you don't want to force. It's the same thing as, like, a parent for, like, playing sports. Like, you don't want to be sure. that guy that lives – through his son because we've all grew up with parents who were like that with their kids and their kids may have had like really like a lot of talent and then they kind of fizzle out because their parents were maybe too hard on them or try to force something or like that's the last thing I want for my kid is that I want him to kind of like live this lifestyle because he enjoys it he finds happiness in it and obviously he's gonna like what dad does for a certain extent because you know me and him are best buddies at this age I mean that might change down the road but so it's really cool to see that and like take that approach. And, you know, he might also in one year be like, you know, dad, I'm good. I don't want to shoot a deer. And I'm going to be okay with that. Right. But, I mean, I don't want that, but you have to kind of no. like go ebb and flow with it and give them good opportunities. And you have to like, there's that, it's a little different when they're that young though. Cause like I couldn't gun hunt. I'm assuming you too, until we were 14. Yeah. 14. You know, bull hunt when you're 12. So by that time, like, like my dad was just like, dude, go climb that tree. Good luck. You know, like kind of like, yeah. that's how he was with me or, yeah. you know, you can sit with me during gun, you know, opening day gun hunting. And he would, you know, tell me if I could shoot the deer or that deer's that far, you know, he was, he was helped. But kinda, then after the, like one time he's like, yeah, you can go sit by that tree or you get this blind and have fun, right. you know? And then now it's like, well, I have a, a kid that isn't, he can handle a gun. Well, he knows the safety. He knows how to aim. He shoots target. Well, it's like you kind of have to like do a lot more for them you know and it's yeah. like at what point in time there's like that balance between like doing enough for him but also just letting him do his thing mm-hmm. and uh he shot he shot he was gonna shoot something i was like hey you want me to like a deer was moving or something and uh 
it was running in i stopped it but like he didn't quite swing the gun far enough so i was like hey you want me to move the gun for you and he just looks at me he's like dad if i'm gonna do this i'm doing it myself and i'm like oh yes sir you know okay like yeah. you know but yeah. that's just right. reading your kid you know and doing that so it can happen quick but all right before yeah, we get too no, far yeah that's good to hear though you know i think you're right i've listened to like parenting like um podcasts and everything and you know and you hear a lot of hunters talk about you know exposing their kids to it and i think you're right like expose them to it but like don't drive it so far home where they get sick of it just like the sports thing yeah. you know i think i think you just got to make sure it's always in their life but you know don't burn them out you know while they're young and and uh see if it clicks with them eventually like i did with me you know and yep. If it, and like you said, if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's fine. Well, if he likes golfing, I'll go golfing with him. You know, yep. it's fine. That's a great point. Like, just because your kid may not be like super involved in it, that doesn't mean you just like don't spend quality time with your kids still. Like, because my I'm the oldest of six kids, and me and like half of us hunt, half of us don't, kind of a thing. And then like I'm the only one that bow hunts. So like gun season is the only time my other siblings do hunt with us. But my dad. You know, he took every kid out with him, you know, gave him all the opportunity in the world to, you know, shoot deer and do that kind of a thing. But then the kids that don't hunt, he still does. Like my sister, she, you know, does play or whatever. Maybe my dad's always there. Like she's yeah. got a play thing. He goes there and sees that he's supporting her in that way. When obviously when I was hunting with him, it was really easy for him to be like, yeah, let's go hunting. Like that's good quality time. So you still have to make yeah. time for that. But as long as you're not selfish, I mean, I think that's kind of a point you, how you started it. It's like, okay, we kind of got our lives set up in a way that we love hunting and we love being outside. But we're also like, that doesn't mean just because we don't have much to do in October that we hunt every day of October. Like we're taking care of the family and doing those things. And that's the balance you learn as you get older and mm -hmm. I do know there's some years that I probably did push the envelope a little too much. And I, <laughs> and it's like, you look back on the year and it's like, well, I really didn't gain anything from doing that. And you have to kind of learn, but I think as I, I'm hoping by the time, like I'm in my forties, I'm going to have the soul just dialed in that I'm going to be like, yep, this time of year, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then we're going to go on this little thing with the family and, you know, yep. maybe I'll be out of the hot water as often as I get in it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you about it. It's, just the way life works, you know, you gotta, you gotta win that time to, to get your time, you know, yep. and, and it's a good balance. I think it's what a good person should do, you know, and you know, I, I was selfish when I was younger, but I also didn't have a kid, you know, it was yep. like, I'm going to do whatever I want. So it changes you a lot when you're a parent, you know, and I think it's for the better. So, but you can still be successful even though you're a parent. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like I do know people who have kids and they completely just abandon their hobbies Yes. You know, and that might, and that they might do it like to the extreme where they don't even do anything. You right. know, I just kind of had to like say, I'm going to focus most of my attention on hunting. And that's mm -hmm. going to be like my one big hobby I do. Um, you know, instead of maybe having four hobbies, you have two hobbies or you only have one. But like, I know a lot of my buddies who just completely give up on all the cold turkey. Like if I look at their life, it's like, yeah, they have a, you know, they have a nice family, but are they really like, they're kind of missing out on their, like their hobbies. And I think over time, yeah it's not good for a guy to like not spend time outside or like, it's kind of right. like a, um, like you said, we talked about earlier, it's a lifestyle. So like, if you just also change your lifestyle, like, you know, those dudes are like, Oh gosh, I wish I could go hunting. Like, I wish I could do that. Well, how's that healthy for you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because yeah. it's a very attainable thing. You just got to like be responsible. Like I, like we went back to, if you're serious about this, you will make it happen in a, to an extent, you know, and you right. can be a good dad. You can be a good husband and all these things and still, kill deer or mm -hmm. spend time outside and do that kind of a thing so that's right and you don't have to spend you know 
thousands and thousands of dollars on a hunt. You know, some people are like, I want to go elk hunting, but well, it's eight, ten thousand dollars to do a guided elk hunt. It's like, man, you don't have to. Like, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you realize how much public land is out there, or, you know, and you just do it yourself once, even if you don't go too far. I mean, you buy the tag and you drive out there and you camp. I mean, it's not that expensive. So it, and you're hunting some of the same ground the guides do. You yep. know? It's, it's not, it's not, you know, undoable. That's for sure. So you just got to set your mind to it and, and do stuff, you know. Yep. Wear high school t-shirts so you can buy Sitka. That's, know, right. that's, that's right. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. Let's roll into your deer season now a little bit. So yeah. You, Cause you just did the two elk hunts, right? Did you mule deer hunt this year or did you just, I did hunt? not. Yeah. I, uh, I think I'm going to leave that property alone. Um, they had a spout of EHD and winter kill out there and the deer numbers are way down. So, um, probably not, maybe next year I'm going to get my dad out there, but we got antelope too, antelope okay. um, out there too. So we can probably draw both tags with the point system. But, um, but no, I got back from Wyoming. I took like a week off just to, chill out you know but then that october 20 some was coming around i'm like about time to get after in michigan um they started showing up in fields we're still doing a lot of work out in the fields all my cousins are like deer showing up this and that i got it in the tree stand and you know as successful as i sound i actually kind of had a rough year and i'll tell you why because the first buck i was a buck i had all like probably the most um on camera buck that was mature enough for me to shoot um i got a chance at him and i hit him low i, I must have nicked a branch and i hit him low and um nice big eight point probably like 125 inch eight point you know and when i say i'm shooting nice deer in michigan i mean most of them are 110 to 135 inches i haven't really got anything much bigger than that in, that in michigan but um but every you have year have I, you have a really good genetic pocket to get over 135 inches you do like, and, you know so it's like if i see a 125 inch deer in michigan i'm, I'm shooting it every year for what <laughs> i for what what i hunt you know i mean this isn't you know some property that's managed super well and a lot of other hunters are around so if i see it that might be my only chance to get a deer that size mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I did, I hit, I hit one low. Um, I was bummed. Um, we, we saw him a month later, so he's fine. Um, but I'm like, what am I doing? What's going on here? You know? And then, um, let's see about, Oh, were you questioning yourself? Because do you feel like you messed up in the shot sequence or like, did you feel like you weren't on your game or why did it bother you so much? You think? I rushed it. I should have waited because okay. he was coming through and I had been, you know, I, I didn't shoot any does earlier in the year just to get that confidence built back up. And I've shot a pile of deer. I don't even know how many deer I've shot, but, um, a lot. And, um, and I just, it bothered me a bit. And so I went and shot my bow like every day, you know, and I'm like, I just must've hit a branch. And, um, I just rushed it. You know, sometimes it's best to just be patient, you know, and mm-hmm. if you don't get the shot, you don't get the shot. And, um, so thankfully that deer is alive and well, as far as I know, still. And then on Halloween, I was at work and I blow out irrigation in all our fields. So I'm right, kind of riding around when the main's blowing out and I just check fields, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, th- so this isn't your typical hunt, I guess, like out of a tree stand and strategizing and trail cameras and all this stuff. <laughs> I literally saw them cutting the corn across this 
um, road and I'm like, there's going to push deer into one of our farms. I know there's going to be deer in that farm. So I drove around and um, sure enough, there's like three or four does bedded and a really nice eight point. And um, I drove the truck to the the field. I glassed them for a little bit. And I just walked down to the edge, the edge of the blueberry field and waited for a while just to let it simmer down, got the wind right. And um, I shot him at 43 yards down the blueberry row and I came out. He was looking the other way, you know. So and, you poked around the corner and there he was laying in the blueberry lane? Yeah, the blueberry bushes, I mean, we have small ones and we have ones Yeah, because they're all different sizes. Like when yeah. I drive out that area, there'll be some that are like taller than you and there's some that are yeah. like your knee high only. Yeah, we got we grow twenty three different varieties. So I mean, mm -hmm. even the even the bushes themselves that look different. You know, yep. there there's some that are more barky. There's some that are more bushy. Um, but you know, this field specifically, they were about six seven foot tall bushes. So you can kind of get away with hunting them, where you can just look down a row. And I lay down yep. on my belly a lot, and I glass them with binos just to. Cause I'm kind of picky about what bucks I want to shoot yep. and, but I didn't even have to go down a row. I literally on the end of the field, I'm looking down and this deer's just standing next to a doe and wouldn't leave her. And I shot him and he went about 20 yards and fell over dead. And it was Sweet. Halloween. It snowed <laughs> eight inches. Snowed yeah. I was going to say there's a bunch of snow, right? Yeah. It was wild. So, um, that was a big one. I, I rough scored him. I don't really care about score that much. I just want to shoot more mature deer, but he was like 132 inch, um, eight point. Dang, so, that's a good, pretty good, point. pretty good for Michigan, you know, for our area. And, uh, I was super happy with him, you know, hey, so was, did you shoot him laying down? Was he laying down? You shot him no, or did he, he stand up? He was standing. Yeah, he was okay. standing. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's say, dude, how did you, I've, I've, you know, I had a buck in Illinois, that I spotted when I was driving my truck, I was going to this huge piece of like, it was public land, but it was like a, I don't know, it was called something, but there was like a road system all through it. And I saw this buck lane on top of this hill in like CRP grass. I just saw the antlers as I was driving by. And I was like, okay. And I was like, as I'm like making the stock, I didn't know if he was still there or not. Cause I had to, I didn't know where I could park. Like I had a couple things that I do, but as I'm like, I'm climbing up this hill. I'm like, okay, if he's laying down, like, where am I going to put this arrow? Like, you know, you're kind of like, it's just a new yeah. thing. Like I've never done that before. And then, yeah. you know, watching whitetail adrenaline, you know, watching how they, uh, they shoot deer laying down. It's like, man, I should probably like think about that a little more often because mm -hmm. there has been opportunities where I've gotten down and like, there used to be like, Oh, you see deer off in the distance. It's like, kind of like, ah, man, I, I was in the wrong spot, but like in the rut there, I mean, I think you could have a very good game plan on getting down and sneaking up on deer even though it was small properties and like may make a move on them when they're bedded. But yeah, I was yeah. like, I was really intrigued where you hit him if he was laying down, but at least he sounded like he stood up and you were able to make a great shot. Yeah. I, I smoked him and you know, in the past, I mean, 10 years, I, every deer I've literally saw fall. So I kind of got used to that, you know, mm. where I'm like, wow, man, I'm just a killer. But like I said, <laughs> this, this year it was rough. I hit the one. And then when you were, what you were just saying with him laying down, I ended up getting a shot at one on November 6th down a blueberry row and um, I stalked up to him. He was with like three other deer and these were shorter bushes and I shot and I hit another branch and I hit him in the face. Oh gosh. Awful. Awful. I mean, I, I, I was so mad at myself. I'm like, why did I take that shot? I'm trying to force an arrow when I shouldn't. Hmm. So, you know, it, it was, it was not, not good, but we ended up finding that deer um, four miles away in my cousin's field and he was we had to put him out he was still a little bit alive but he suffered and that, yeah. that really bothered me i kind of learned a lot this year i'm like man I, I gotta really 
just the past, like I was saying, the past few years, I've, I've have been real deadly, but it's like all of a sudden I get a couple bad shots here. I gotta, I gotta take my time a little bit and, um, you know, respect the animal a little bit more. Cause I took some, a couple risky shots this year and I shouldn't have, yeah. you know, thank God we found him and he's, and he's dead now, not suffering, but, um, but it happens if you hunt long enough and, um, that's such you know, an interesting was, thing though. Right. I mean, yeah. cause I've had the same thing happen. Like, you know, like this year I missed two deer. I clean missed one buck and then five days later I hit a buck that ended up killing in November. I just barely nicked them, you know, like right on top of the back. Yeah. And, uh, even though like, I mean, I, yeah, like you said, I've, I haven't killed like a hundred deer, but I'm probably pretty close. Um, yeah, or at least, I'm, you know, 50 ish for sure. I've shot like 50 deer. Um, and it's like, I, it's like every year is almost a new year sometimes. Like, it's like, you gotta like remind yourself, like be in the moment. And the one shot was like a 45 yard shot, which I've killed deer. I've killed coyotes at like almost 60 yards. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I try not to shoot that far, but like if I, I've always kind of told myself if it's the right, I have criteria. If they're over 30 yards, I hit them with a range finder. So then I use a single pin so I can go right to the exact yardage. Um, Cause I feel like if I'm going to shoot over 30 yards, I have to have enough time to, you know, range them, get them stopped or whatever. Then if I shoot in a field, it's like, I want their head to be up. I don't want them looking at me. I don't want it to stop them. And every one of those circumstances, I didn't stop them or nothing. And the one deer was like 27 yards and he dropped like a foot and a half. Yeah. And then the buck I shot at 40 yards dropped like a foot. Um, so I'm, now I'm like, it's like, you got that head game going. It's like, dude, what? Yeah. I mean, I've shot does standing at 43 yards and you shoot and they don't even move and you just smoke city them. So yeah. I was really like questioning, like I was in the, I was in the dumps by October 10th. I was like, dude, I'm suck. Like, what am I doing? And, uh, yeah. and then, you know, I shot a buck the 22nd, 20, I, I, I kept telling myself, I just need like a really nice 20 yard broadside shot. Like, and then I'm getting it smoked them. Great. Um, and then I shot my second buck at 14 yards. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. you, you think you're only going to get that one opportunity, you know, cause you're so used to only having like one good, I always kind of tell everyone, like, I'll either see, I'll get one chance a year and that might only be seeing them. Like I might not even have them in bow range, but I feel like I get one chance a year. So I think I put so much pressure on when I do finally see that deer that I've almost like let it cloud my, like my vision or cloud my judgment a little bit because it's like well i shoot every day so i can shoot a great group at 60 yards like 40 yards i'll shoot them and you kind of almost like get too confident and i think that it's it's good yeah. to get humbled i guess though, once in a while but uh you do i it was it was a good reset for me you know like saying whoa like start shooting your bow a little bit more take your time don't be forcing arrows when you when you yeah. think you can do something because you know it, it the last thing you want to do is wound a deer you know it, it's just the way it happens sometimes though but yeah no i, yeah, I mean hitting branches though lot. i mean like that's the thing like you hit a branch and i have i think i may have only hit a branch one time that i know of and yeah. it's like that it's kind of like that thing like um uh do you how much do you really beat yourself up on it's like well that's why i wanted to ask you what you felt like you did because you've been doing this long enough you have a good intuition of what's going on and i think slowing yourself down in the moment that's good for everyone that's you know a bow hunter like yeah. and maybe you could have had that if you had taken that little bit of extra time maybe you'd have seen that branch or maybe you could have right. got five yards closer if you're stalking them or whatever it may have been um but there is a there's a fine line between having to make it happen in the moment too you know 
because you sure. if you wait too long or something, your opportunity may just walk away. So I think that's that constant that little dude on your shoulder, like you need to shoot this deer, you need to shoot this deer, you need to shoot this deer, yes. and then the other guy like wait for a better shot, wait for a better shot. It's like, well, sometimes you just don't get that better shot. Sure, but uh, but then and that's you, what happens. You get yep. rushed, and you know, and it's just just got to slow things down a little bit and think about it, you know. Yeah, that's, it, a, that's a cool story though. I mean, you hit a buck and get him four miles later on your cousin's property. I mean, that's four miles crazy. away. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, you know, I don't think he could eat well and it was, uh, or drink just, he was rutting like crazy and, uh, you know, he was pretty depleted. It was, it was kind of sad to see it, to be honest, but, um, I was just happy that I knew what happened to him and he didn't suffer too yeah. long, you know, yeah. and that was a nice 10 point real thick, probably a three-year-old. Yeah, I would say um, for sure. Like I would say, both your bucks were three and a half and older. I would say for sure. Yeah, the, I think the the eight point in Michigan, the first one was a four year old, um, and I weigh all my deer too. We have a scale at the farm, okay. so I'm always curious on uh, weight. And you know, usually they're all like 150 to 200 pound range field dressed. Yep. And uh, so like whenever somebody's like, oh yeah, I shot a 250 pound deer, I'm like, I'll look at it. I'm like, man, I weigh like every deer. Like I usually know. You know, mm -hmm. I'm usually within 15 pounds or 10 pounds of, of what it actually is just because I've seen so many, yep. but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great season. I, I, I messed up, you know, and I learned a lot from it and you know, I'm just going to shoot my bow more next year and try to pick my, uh, my timing. And, and if that happens again, down in blueberry rows and fields and we'll, uh, we'll make it better and, you know, yeah, go it's from there. quite a unique experience. So like you can being able to have the opportunity in Michigan to shoot a deer on the ground like that, yeah. you know, like that's not a common spot no. to be in and the deer I have stocked up on. So like Illinois, I did a two circumstances where I was on the ground kind of going after bucks, like the adrenaline, like is a whole different game plan. Like, yeah, there's yeah. so much more going on and I'm sure you kind of experience, I mean, I'm sure it's similar to hunting elk when this elk's coming in, you're on the ground. So maybe you can control it a little bit, but it's the whole different animal when you're on the ground trying to stalk up out of deer opposed to being in a tree waiting for them to come to you. So right. yeah, that definitely is. takes experience. Yeah. It's fun, you know, and I've, I've gotten good at it, you know, shooting them with a gun down a, a blueberry row is definitely easier, but they just aren't really out there as much during the gun seasons mm -hmm. I've found, you know, so it's, you know, when I get that, that time window to actually check some fields and do that, and don't get me wrong. I like, I'd rather shoot them out of a tree stand and be in a tree stand. But if, uh, if I'm not, don't got a hot spot going on I'll, I'll check some fields and i'll put a stock on them and yeah it's a whole different beast and half the time it's midday you know yep. it's not even like they're laying down for the day you know mm -hmm. so it, it's definitely definitely unique to, to do yeah. that it's when they got a doe i mean that's what you're talking about they're they're pushing a doe into a spot yep. for the, the first doe that comes after us late october and then you got those early november I mean, how many, I bet everyone listening to this podcast that's hunted Michigan has seen a buck at some point in their life in the middle of an egg field with yep. a doe. It's like, yep. it is one thirty in the afternoon and that big buck is laying in the middle of that hay field, 300 yep. yards off the road, hundred yards off the road, not woods in sight. And yep. they're doing that same thing, but you happen to have a little cover with those blueberry bushes. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. It'd be impossible in the middle of a cornfield with a bow, you know, but the, yep. the little bit of cover in them blueberry fields, man, it just, it just works out that way, that's you so know? Sweet. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so roll us into your Illinois hunt then. Yeah. You got so, one in Illinois too. So yeah, I, I went down to Illinois and I, I hunted public down there quite a bit. Um, 
I went down to a private piece I have. The guy owns 100 acres, but I hunt. It's two parcels, so he hunts. I hunt up on his 40-acre piece because I like it. Just There's just bedding areas on each side of it. And uh, old retired coal miner guy, I stay in his three seasons room. It's like, oh, you know, I bring, I bring him blueberry bushes, you know, and, and like, it's, I just help him out. He calls me like every month. Hey, how's it going? How's the weather? Blah, blah. blah. And uh, I go down there and I knew it was going to be good. And um, I drove, I, I left real early in the morning. I dropped my son off from school and uh, I drove down. I, I got to get down there. And I figured I'd be there like two or three in the afternoon. I'm like, I got to get in the stand. I mean, I didn't even stop for gas. I mean, I can make it down there on one tank. I was like peeing in a bottle and everything while I was driving. You know, I was like, I am not stopping. So I got down there and uh, thank God there's no one that hunts this property at all. Like he leaves it alone. And uh, the corn was still standing, but he, and he was one of the last pieces down there that had corn standing. And it's not, they're not big fields. They're like eight, 10 acre corn fields. They're not big, but it's all parceled out and there's hay fields and it's like smaller scale size fields. And um, I've, I've killed quite a few nice deer down there over the years. And um, I showed up and uh, literally went nine foot up in a stand. I mean, I could almost touch my stand because just way the canopy is in the, in the woods there, I don't want to go too high. I can't see. And, um, I sat and, um, I saw like four bucks and I hadn't seen like this many deer in one sit in like the whole year. And, uh, sure enough, I read right about 20 minutes before dark. I seen this decent buck coming across the field first night down there. It was first night there. And, uh, I mean, two, three hours into a sit, you know, and this thing comes all the way across this uh, hay field. And I'm like, Oh wow. He's wider than his ears. I'm like, here we go. You know, I'm like, I can't believe it. Cause I I've done this like four times where I've shot a deer in the first day I've been there. And I swear it's the pressure, you know, like this guy just, mm -hmm. he's like, he, he literally was like, I'm not cutting firewood. I'm not doing anything up there for three weeks before you come down. Like, yep. and he just, just, it just set up well, you know, and I shot him at about 21 yards. I hit him a little bit quarter two and he ran out into the middle of the hayfield and stopped. And I'm like, fall over, fall over. And I'm like, Oh no. And he walked away real slow. I'm like, God, I thought I smoked him. Found my arrow, found blood, but I decided I better just wait till morning. And, um, went out there in the morning and, and he barely made it to the other side. He was on the edge of the field. Nice 10 point, um, you know, score wise, probably 125, 130 inch deer. So, so you know, and, and, that, and it's Southern Illinois. It's not like your golden triangle area where everybody's shooting monsters. Um, the biggest buck I've ever seen down there is probably 150 inch deer, yep. you know, and I've killed plenty of them in the 140 range down there too but yep. um but if i see one about that size i'll i'll take them you know down there and i agree that's yeah. kind of where i was southern illinois and we talked to a bunch of people on the public and talked to you know neighbors and other people hunt and they're like yeah if you see a 150 that's like that's the top five percent yeah so it is it is and like i and i drove like there was a couple nights where i like scouted and then I was like, you know what? It's an hour before dark. I'm going to just drive and hit as many of these fields next to cover as I can. And about the biggest deer I seen was probably like mid 140s, almost 150. And that was mm -hmm. on private too. So I think you're right. Like that area is kind of like, I mean, yeah. there's, there's not as good of length. Like there's yeah. acorns, but there's not much. Like you said, there's not huge egg fields and there's not 
you know, it's warmer. The, the bodies are smaller. So, I mean, a 150 looks really big down there, you know, because oh, yeah. their bodies aren't as big. But yeah. it's still a fun hunt, though. Oh, it's, it's so much fun. I just love having that that piece to go to, and it's cheap. You know, I just buy a tag mm-hmm. and I stay with the guy, and, you know, it's it just works out well. I found little, little honey holes kind of all over the mm-hmm. country, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I got back, and uh, it was uh, gun season here, but I was tagged out in Michigan. So I just helped other people kind of get some deer and dinking around. And then I, I drew a, um, a gun tag in Illinois too. And I've never gone on a whitetail hunt with a gun. So I was kind of like, all right, I'm just going to try something totally different. So I looked up this huge piece of public in Illinois and I'm like, I'm just going to go get lost and learn something new. I try yeah. to do that like every year, just try something different instead of getting stuck in my ways and hunting the same blueberry fields or hunting the same property. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to try something different every year just to learn a little bit more. And I went down there and drove down there, like left at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, got down there a day. It was the day before the season opened. And I just scouted. I just walked. I'd never been there before. I did have a buddy that hunted there one time. So I did get some Onyx pins, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. To check out just to minimize it a little bit. And that helps huge, you know, when yep. you have just a little bit of information to just avoid some areas and check out some areas. And I just walked all day the first, the day before. And I saw quite a few uh, bucks, not nothing big, like maybe 110 inch eight point I seen. Um, but I noticed there was guys rolling in on public down there, like big time. I'm talking, holy smokes, like there's truck after truck after truck. I'm like, it's going to be busy day tomorrow. So I pinpointed this one spot where I figured guys would go and there's little like ponds and lakes around and I, there's just thick, tall grass and, uh, like prairie grass and uh swamp grass like that elephant grass Mm -hmm. everywhere you know it's just everywhere thousands of acres of it yep and i'm like all right well if a guy goes here he's probably going to be here a guy's going to go they're going to push them all into this area and i just said all right well i kind of know where to go i can get in that opening and if there's guys on all sides they're going to be in there because it just diverts the deer around these lakes and stuff yep i mean it's just it's just like a funnel. it's a train feature right i mean you're yeah, the water train, train feature. feature yep yeah and so i use that pressure to your advantage you know like because you know what's going to be there you can't just be like i'm going to have the best spot in the world you got to kind of manipulate it you know to the point where you know where the deer are going to hide and I went and sat in the morning and I saw like 11 deer, nothing big. And I just shifted down for the, for the evening hunt. And, um, sure enough, right before dark, I saw, uh, well, actually it was funny cause I was sitting in like a CRP field and I hear crunch, crunch, crunch behind me, uh, buck I sh- end up shooting was 10 feet behind me. It was windy. He's just staring at me like 10 feet away. I tried to swing my gun to shoot him and he ran off. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, but he went man. in he went into these uh these like cattails along the lake and i'm like he's in there and there's a big loba of woods i'm like he's gonna come back out at some point and there's does all around in the crp so i belly crawled like 300 yards down because i figured he would he would go in and come out not come out go in or come out where he went in at yeah and uh sure enough 30 minutes before dark i'm like there he is you gotta be kidding me you know coming out sniffing those does Yep. And I ended up shooting about like 120 yards, like 140 inch 10 point on public, public land in Illinois. You know, I couldn't Sweet. believe it. I, so I was only down there for a day. You know, what are you, 
<laughs> so I hunted, I hunted yeah. Illinois for like, you know, I don't know, 10 hours total, and I shot yep. two bucks. So and you, hunted, good, and you yeah. hunted in Colorado the first day you shut out. First, yeah, <laughs> opening day, man. You know, it's just like, oh, once you, yeah, so I, I really didn't, you know, do the grind this year. I didn't really have a grind. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really hunt Michigan till the 20 some of October anyway for deer. And uh, so it's been pretty efficient on how many times I've gone out to how you, much I've. You take I've those gotten. years when you can, right? Yeah, man. I I I'm not complaining. So that's awesome. What a good. I mean, like, like you said, it was a really good year for you. And but I do like how you like. You could have just been like, oh yeah, I smashed these deer, but no, you're you you said you know, hey, I I gotta learn, you know, kind of a yeah. thing. And oh, you man. had that, and that's encouraging for me, like, because I went through that. I've been through it. Lots of I know I know buddies who've you know, hit deer, not found them. And it's just like, you, you just, as a hunter, it's just like, that's the, I know, like, I don't want to just justify, oh, it happens. Like, oh, you know, stuff happens, deer move. Cause it sucks, man. Like you do all this effort and all this thing. And you, you, when you pull your bow back, you're like, yep, I'm taking a life. You know, there's that pressure, <laughs> that responsibility. And then when you do it, it doesn't happen in a timely manner or, you know, yeah, you feel good when a month later you get a picture of them, but it took a month to know if he was alive or not. And then, you know, this buck that, you know, was run down and not doing the grace because he was wounded, which granted some of that was rut induced too, but that's the last thing you want to do as a hunter. So right. when these opportunities do come and you do it, it's just like, that's why I think this, that rush of emotion hits you. Like Henry was, we were talking, Henry's like, I'm like, yeah, I might try to shoot a doe, you know? And he's like, well, where are you going to go? And I was like, I think I might use my bow, but he's like, yeah, can you shoot one with a gun right now? And I was like, yeah, but just something about shooting with a bow is just like, yeah is yeah. different because it's harder and it takes all that like when it works out and you watch that deer, like you said 10 years of watching deer dump over is like yeah. wow like that is why we do it and then you get this so the next time you shoot a deer and it dumps over you're probably going to lose your mind oh. more than you know like you normally did so. you ain't kidding man it's god I, I just love it i love archery hunting i love it i love it all i mean i'm not against gun hunting either no. but out of i don't know like i was saying i I probably have killed a hundred deer. I bet you 75 of them were with a bow, you know, yep. you know, and I used to shoot a lot of does too. And, you know, and, uh, and all that, but I've been out of state a lot. I've been lucky to get out while I, you know, my, all my twenties and thirties, I've gone out West, I don't know, 12 times, That's you know, awesome. so it's, it's definitely a lifestyle, but it is. So now when you, when you, I want to ask you this, when you're hunting out of state, do you almost feel like there's less pressure to kill something? when you go out of state or do you have like a lot of pressure to kill one? You know, not really. Cause I could, I could go elk hunting and not kill anything. Yep. I just like being out there. You know, I just love being out there. I've been pretty successful. And when I do go, um, I've only not killed an elk on two elk hunts and I've, every other elk hunt I've went on, I've killed an elk. Yep. So my percentage is definitely higher than, than your average. But, um, I, I was telling my buddy next year, you know, he might draw first rifle tag. I said, I might just come with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I don't have a tag. I can't draw that tag, but I'm like I'll just go. I'll just pack out. I like just being there. Yeah, you know, and it just that something about that mountain air and stuff. And it's like your that, vacation. It like literally like, it is, is like my vacation. vacation. You know, like I have. I feel like there's more pressure for me to kill a deer in Michigan than there is when I go to Illinois. Sure. Like I go to Illinois, I'm like, man, like yeah, I got money in this tag. You might have money in a lease. Like I'm taking time away from work, but like I'm just down there just to like you said, learn as much as I can. Mm -hmm. If a nice one walks by and I be able to kill it, like that's awesome. But like, I didn't like, 
I didn't shoot have a nice buck or anything. Like I didn't shoot nothing in Illinois, you know. But I'll do it again next year. Like I'd yeah. go spend five days walking around, sweat my butt off, just trying to find the right deer, you know. Like right. there's something about that. And then I go to Michigan. It's like, man, like last year I didn't shoot anything uh, buck wise. I shot some does, and I was like really beat myself up by the end of the year. And then I had to like reevaluate and be like, you know what, you had a good year still. Like you passed a lot of nice bucks that mm-hmm. you were shot years past, you know kind of going through and I kind of like reground myself and uh, it was really good. It was really good for me. And I took that approach this year and I think that's going to kind of be my, my MO, like still have a pressure to go after and have a good game plan, but not like I really need to shoot one of these deer. Cause I think then when that deer does come in, I'm a little more like reserved. I'm not so amped up that like, oh my gosh, that's my target buck. I've had pictures of him for three years. Like, oh my gosh, I've he's finally showing himself, and I just get too amped up. I'm gonna try to just kind of yeah. roll with it and do it that way. Because I know gosh, exactly so what you mean. Just just go out there and have fun, and if yep. you know if it works out and you get one, you get one. But yeah, I just I, I don't know. I love the wanderlust of of the hunting too. Like I I've seen high alpine country i've seen cornfields in illinois i've seen blueberry fields i like i like like the different like views i get too every year and i think it kind of humbles you when you're like cool you know i'm not hunting the same stand every year or something like that i like like bouncing around you know it's just fun Mm -hmm. and like you said i could i could just go on a hunting trip and not even kill anything you know Mm -hmm. it's it's, you know even though it's nice to eat you know deer steaks at night but yeah (laughs) yeah you're like oh yeah i did this as it's going on the the grill all right so i'm gonna ask a couple personal things like gear and stuff because we're kind of gonna wrap this up because i'm I'm assuming i'd love to have you on in future episodes to talk about it because i think there's a lot of there's a lot of whitetail tactics that you have and also out of state stuff that you could help guys with but so what's your mobile setup you've talked about mobile hunt nine feet off the ground what do you like to use i actually don't have a saddle yet i haven't really got into it yet um i know a lot of guys are doing that but i just use lone wolf um i have a climber and i have a hang on like the alpha yeah and, I have one of those. you know and i i've never really had an issue with it and once i'm you know i get back from out west i'm carrying 80 pounds on my back or something um like a 10 pound tree stands like really nothing to me and i'm not going that far you know like yep. i'm like in miles out there i'm like I just haven't got to the set. I'm not against it. I'm definitely will pursue it at some point, but I just, for what I hunt right now, I haven't really um, needed to get into the saddle thing yet, but I've heard good things, you know? So yeah, I just use like lone wolf stuff. If I'm hunting like the normal deciduous woods here in Michigan, I can get up in a lot of trees with a climber too. If I need to bounce around. So I always bring the climber. I don't use it all the time, but, um, but I do that or I'll just sit on the ground like in a CRP field or something. I don't mind yep. doing that either. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to adapt and, and try anything because, you know, I, I just, you know, a lot of like that public land down there that I hunted in Illinois, my buddy said, don't go by trees. He goes, the deer don't go by trees. Mm. He's like, I'm like, all right, well, I had a gun, so it was a little bit different. But um, that was the best advice he, think, I think he gave me because he was right. So. Yeah, we found that same thing out in Illinois too. I'm gonna have Drew, my buddy. He shot a buck uh, when we were in our trip, and there was not many good trees to sit in where he shot his buck. So yeah. there's something you said about that. Okay, so you like to use that for your mobile setup? What kind of bow do you use? I got a new one uh, neck last year. I've not brand stricken on anything. I usually just go shoot and whatever feels good. I mean, I shot a Matthews for years. I've killed a pile of deer with that bow. Matthews Switchback XT. Oh yeah. And then I went with a, I had a Bowtech 
RPM 360 for a while, real fast, hard cam bow. And I, I started killing a lot of antelope and mule deer, and I started long distance shooting um, a few years ago when I shot a lot. I mean, I'd shoot out to 100 yards for practice. And um, I got like that bow, but it was a hard cam. And now I have a Hoyt um, RX-7 Ultra, the carbon one. So I, I like that bow and it's an 80 pound limb. I think it's cranked to like 84 pounds. I work out Sick. and just try to, and it's so smooth. I mean, that 80 pound bow is smoother than that bow tech was at mm -hmm. 70. So I really enjoy shooting that bow. Um, I actually bought that uh, Garmin bow sight okay. too this year. And yeah. I have a spot hog one I put on it. Um, if I, if it's a state, you can't use them yep. in. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that Garmin. I've been messing with it, you know, and I was kind of, not sold on it right away but now that i've been shooting i'm like this thing's pretty sweet, sweet. so yeah I, uh, I have an rx7 ultra also and i really like that bow from the exact same thing you said i almost went with 80 pound limbs but i kind of i kind of went through the whole thing where i had so i have a torn labor on my shoulder that i've just oh, been yeah. dealing with so like i it was really bad at one point in time so i dropped all the way down to like a 60 pound bow hated that like just my didn't like my arrow flight didn't like anything to have to do about it so then i've been taking care of myself a little better so now i'm shooting uh i got went back to a 70 i think it's like 72 or 73 pounds and every time i pull that bow back i'm like dude i could do this i could pull this bat bow back at 80 pounds no problem like it's such yeah. a smooth drawing bow but yeah i do like and then for the site i've been eyeing those sites too because i do like <laughs> a lot of things that have to do with it you know, it's kind of a, a bigger price tag, but it's like you can use it for a long time. But mm -hmm. uh, I haven't quite pulled the trigger on that yet. I think uh, yeah. I think it could be something I do one day, but not quite yet. Um, right. It's one of those. It's that it's that fine line between being uh, being too much technology, but also like when that deer's in range, like you're going to be more effective, and like you have your tags to punch. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, you still have to be in the right spot. You still have to pull your bow back. You still have to execute the shot, right? all that stuff. But, yeah, when you're having that ability to just be like, boop, and hit a button if you need to at that range would be pretty sweet. It is. I, I agree with you on all that. It's like, how far is technology going to go here? You know, like, mm -hmm. it's, but you still got to do it, and you still got to practice, and you still got to shoot it, and you got to get used to it. But, yeah, that price tag is ridiculous. I mean, some guys that just are kind of half hunting here and there, they look at the price of that and or even the carbon bow itself and they're like yeah. wow it's too much and it is it's, it's a lot of money but like i said you know i don't hardly fish anymore i i put all my money into hunting when i go yeah. and, and i like the the good stuff and it's just my lifestyle so i'll, I'll get i'll get the good stuff you know yeah, i'm not a and, gear snob but i'm kind of a gear snob yeah <laughs> same, here, I tell everyone. Same, here. <laughs> same here i'm like yeah I, once i find something i like i'll spend like i have a pair of brush pants okay yeah. Um, no, no shame. I have first light brush pants. I bought them. They're like 150 bucks, maybe even more. Yeah. I don't remember, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I, I don't really wear long johns. I don't really get that hot when I hunt. My legs don't. So I was so sick of wearing like these thick brush pants and I would just be dying in them. So I don't know if I got a thing in the mail. It was like 10% off. It was one of the first, first light things I ever bought. I've been rocking those pants for four years, maybe five. This actually is my fifth year. Yeah. And I rabbit hunt with them almost every weekend after the first of the year. I bow hunt in them. I walk scout in them. I mean, I've walked miles in those pants, no holes in them. Still mm -hmm. great. Now, are they the best at stopping big, huge briars? No, but they get the job done. You know how many right. pairs of $40, $50 brush pants I would have been through in five years? Probably five pairs. A lot. Yeah. So, like, you know, there is that fine line between if you use it enough, it does pay for itself in the long run. 
exactly okay. so are you a fixed blade or a mechanical blade guy i had fixed blades for elk this year um i had the iron wills um never got to kill anything with them but um i'm usually a mechanical guy for a whitetail I, I i pull enough weight you know i'm shooting like a 500 grain arrow at 84 pounds oh, dude you know and i rotate I, i'll try i've killed a lot of deer with rages i've killed deer with the mega meats the dead meats um you know grim reapers uh i'm trying to think jackhammers wasp yep. stuff i mean i i, I i've always just all right, I want to see what this thing will do. And if you hit deer in the right spot, it, they're all good, you know? Yep. So I, I'm, but you're you know, at a good, I, your foundation's good though. Like, that's what I always tell everyone. They're like, what mm -hmm. do you like to do? I was like, well, I love fixed blades. Like I do, like, I think fixed yeah. blades is just awesome. But this year I use mechanicals because I couldn't quite get a fixed blade to fly right. Cause I switched my arrows up. Shame on me. I should have done this a little sooner, but yeah. you know, it was one of those things, like you said, I kind of like to tinker a little bit and like, okay, these zeros are a lot of money and I've used them for a few years, but like now it's the point where I only had like three of them left. It's like, do I buy those again? Or, Oh, these are right. on sale. Let's try these. <laughs> well, now I know that like that higher price tag does mean a lot more to me. So I'll it be does. going to those, but yeah, I mean, I think as long as your foundation's right, you'll tune bow like that round that 500 grain arrow. Mm -hmm. It don't really matter what's on the front. Like, I mean, maybe like an excessive two and a half inch cut might not be the answer, but you use right. like an inch and a half, two inch mechanical and you are a proficient guy. It's really tough to beat that. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, it is. It's, I mean, especially on whitetails, like I, I've never had an issue with the penetration, you know, or anything like that. So I don't know. I, I just go with what works and, nope. And, you know, even though I did have trouble this year, like I was saying, with a couple miss hits on branches and stuff, I mean, I'm usually I'm usually watching a deer fall in my yeah. sight, you know. Fixed blades deflect, too. Like, I yeah, mean, that's, that some guys will say, oh, you know, you can shoot through grass. Maybe you can with a fixed blade. Like, you can do some of those things. But I've watched plenty of videos of dudes skipping broadheads off of branches, and they're using a, a fixed blade. So, I mean, it sure. you can maybe – you can say whatever you want. I mean, it still comes down to, like, having that clear mm -hmm. lane. Right. All right. So, you like to shoot a hoy. I like that because I'm shooting a hoy. <laughs> you got a good size arrow. You're mobile. I mean, there's not really – I mean, the Garmin site might be the only thing we kind of might be a little iffy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so, now when you go – what's your you're below the gun line so are you a 450 guy or a 350 legend or yeah, what do you use for yeah, a gun you're gonna laugh at uh at my setup for that don't tell me it's kind of, our slug 20 gauge no it's not it's a little price here it's a christensen 450 bushmaster and i got a suppressor for it too sweet so the thing does not move it's wild and uh yeah, it's it's a tag driver. I can shoot like a two inch group at two hundred yards with it. I nice. have two times and uh with the Barnes ammo, two fifty grain. And uh yeah, I, I just I'm like, I want a really good rifle to to you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna have it forever. I don't need to buy another one. Like the four fifty Bushmaster's, you know, perfect for deer under, yep. you know, two hundred, two hundred and fifty yards at the most. I don't think I'd shoot further than that, but um, but it's just a tag driver and it works. So yeah. So I actually bought, um, I, I had a Ruger American ranch, whatever I bought used yeah. five yep. years ago and great shooting gun on paper. Like I liked it. There's a few things about it. I wasn't a big fan of, so I actually sold that and I bought the, um, CVA cascade 450. Yeah. I've, I've heard of that. Good things about yeah, that. Yeah. Like I'm, I got, a, I actually got a scope today for it. So that's getting put on it. Um, and then I got a silencer that I used on Henry used on the 350 legend. 
And I'm mm-hmm. going to use that same silencer on the 450 because, like, I'm so blown away with how good that thing performs on the 350. I'm like, I need this on the 450. Like, right. shooting with those is nice. You got the end cap on it, so it'll size up to the 450. That's yep, cool. exactly. It's nice to get. Yeah, if you're going to buy a suppressor, definitely yeah, buy a hybrid. Hybrid 46 is the one. That's I what got. I got. Yeah, yep. same one I got. Yeah, definitely buy that if you like. You got because suppressors are expensive, you know, and you mm-hmm. gotta wait for a while. I tell a lot of guys that I said, man, just buy one and then just put it on different rifles. Whether yep. I mean, you can still shoot a or Kyle gun. My yeah, two Ruger, it works on that. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Great. It's not as tight, you know, all the tolerance at the end, but like uh, it'll it'll still suppress the sound and it's it saves more my enjoyable ears. to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> saves my ears. That's all I'm doing. Like you can I've, you can hear the bullet at 450 bullet hit the deer. It's that's like, so wow. crazy. It's yeah. weird. Henry shot his buck. We were in a blind. So like the, with the way the tripod is and where I had to have the gun set up, the barrel was like not outside the window. I mean, I'm above, I was above the windowsill, you know, two or three inches. But if you like look down the wall, it was like in the blind a little bit. And uh, Ashley was hunting with us the night that he shot and she was like, like, does that bear, should that bear, is it going to be like really loud? I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, really? She's like, should we have him plug his ears? Or I'm like, no, it, I'm telling you, it's not that loud. Like you're going to be blown away by this. It's like and a 22. Yeah. It's crazy. That, and then you shoot that 350 legend without a suppressor on it, It's like, dude, my ears are just like, you know, forever. And uh, that suppressor on there, Henry doesn't need to plug his ears when we sight it in. He doesn't mm-hmm. even like get scared by it. Like, cause you know, when we were 14 shooting a gun, we're like, dang near adults you know like size like big booms were like nothing but when a kid's shooting a gun a big boom is like you know a lot more to a little body nope he just sits there and shoots it and he's like man i love the kick dad like that's what he says because it just barely like does anything but yeah yeah, that's a great investment for sure it is a good investment i think i'm gonna eventually get a 350 for my son too just a little less recoil and and probably just put that suppressor on another gun you know it it's fun you know it's it's kind of something to look forward to absolutely so yeah we're we're on the same page i like this i do yeah man <laughs> so what are you yeah. uh do you use exodus trail cameras that's i do not okay do come not. on yeah I, I i yeah i i just got some i think i got the tacticam one okay right nice but i you know i'm always open to try new stuff so. yeah i've been using those i don't know i think i use whatever i could use for like sd cards like i mean i first bought those it was like whatever was on sale i just run a bunch of those um, and then I think it was probably listening to a podcast or someone had a 20% off. And I was like, I'll give Exodus a try. And I've been pretty loyal to them for my uh, cell cameras um, because the way the plan is, me and my dad always go have these on. If we buy 10 cams, we split it. You know, he owns five, I own five. We just use them wherever we hunt. Mm-hmm. They're a great camera. But like, I mean, dude, nowadays, I don't really know. I don't even know how much of a difference there is between one to the other. Like technology is right. caught up, I think, for everyone. So I think so too. They've gotten good. The apps are just mm-hmm. more easy to use and everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open to try them too. It's just yeah. just gotta wait till I need more. I yep, guess. Black yeah, Friday. Like, I buy them on Black Friday. They Black always Friday is a good sales. deal. Yep, which a lot yeah. of people do, but that's that's that thing. Well, man, dude, I think that's pretty much it. That's coming to my head for questions. Yeah. Um, are you? Oh, I do. So. I've asked a couple of my buddies this. So you kind of said you target, you know, three or four year old deer. Do mm-hmm. you find yourself getting to the point where you will pass those deer on your property? Man. Well, or what would it take for you to pass those deer? I guess that's kind of the, the question. I don't, I've shot enough of them now. I really should just start doing four year old enough. Cause I still shoot a lot of three year olds in Michigan. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm almost there. I yeah. mean, 
I mean, you can see my. I see your wall. You have a lot. So awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. it, it is. I think you know. I've hunted enough. I've. I, I need to just try to go four year old and up in Michigan now. You know, I, I five year old man. It's for around our area. It's just too populated now. I, I don't think I could go that far. I really don't. But but I, I need hard. to maybe stop shooting those three year olds. It's just because they get so much bigger on their floor. And I think that's the thing. Like everyone, like because I have. Okay, so like we have. The only properties I pass deer on that get to five year old are because me and neighbors are also doing that. Because mm-hmm. if you're the only guy, it's so hard. Like just to have one on camera a year is like doesn't happen every year. So I mean, I'm talking like one four year old. So like you know, mm-hmm. like to get them to five and a half is really tough to do. You have to have a lot of people on board. But the jump from three to four is insane. And I'm not talking just score. I'm talking like body mm-hmm. size how they act how they run how the it there's something cool about it like and i right and, until you see some of those four-year-olds which you know i think you're that one buck you shot he looks just like like you said he's he's stout and yeah. you know that definitely i would not doubt one bit that was a four and a half year old buck but it's really cool to do and then it gets to the point you so you never like when you pass the first two-year-old like if yeah. you go back and think about that it's oh yeah it's fun to pass the three and a half year olds like it was to pass the two and a half year olds yeah. which is weird to say like you know like in michigan but like there is a little something to it where it's like man that felt good watching that deer walk by and then you start doing it enough you don't even pick your bow up anymore and it's not like because i'm better than anyone else or anything like that it's just my no. journey you know it's just like me and my dad's journey and my other buddies that do it it's mm-hmm. all it is it keeps it fun but it definitely does, it does take a, it takes a good neighbors though. Like you have to it, it have takes good great neighbors. neighbors and, and you know, a three and a half year old deer really isn't a mature deer. I mean, it's not, I mean, as much as people are like, that's a great buck. What an old deer. It's like, not really, No. you know, people that just don't know. It's like, that's really not that old of a year. It's not a mature deer. I mean, they're not, but I, I think I need to get to that point where I'm just shooting four year olds every year because I mean, I've shot enough of them and, you know, I, I have enough meat, and if I get an elk or something out west, I got enough true meat to get through the year, and I'm fine. So that's a, that's yeah, a that's valid a, point that's a good for point. sure. That's a good point for for you saying that because I think I'm there. I really am. Yeah, I asked yeah. my. That's why I asked. Like, because I have buddies that like uh, I'll drop Tony Hill for example. This kid grew up hunting. His family's never been about you know passing deer, doing that kind of stuff, and like he does a lot of dog stuff, and he's got a tracking dog and all that, and um. He, you know, we had a lot of conversations this year and he started passing some deer that he never would have passed before and mm-hmm. just talking with him, like, because he started passing some of those deer, he actually feels like he's learned a lot the last two years because mm-hmm. he's not just shooting the first six or eight point that walks by. So like, he's, he's hunting a little bit more. He's like, okay, he's not here. I got a trail cam picture of one that I want to shoot. Where is he? Kind of a thing. So like, there is, there's a lot that goes into that, that. It's yeah. not just like, oh, I'm only shooting big bucks because that's what I want to do. No, it's like this whole mantra that surrounds right. it. And I, I, dude, I love it. I just, I, I love it that. too. You know, and you got to build yourself up to that. There's no yes. problem with shooting a small buck, you know, like that's if you hunt one day a year and that's what you want to shoot, you should go and shoot it. But, you know, like guys like us that are like, we're just into it, you know, I've shot enough of them. It's like, it's so much easier to transition over time. Yes. Like, it's like, well, I'll just wait a little bit more. I'll let this one live. It's yeah. just, it's, it's kind of like a chess match and it's just exactly. Fun yeah. You're talking, dude, you're doing it. You're hooked already. That's 2024 oh, yeah. for you. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, I did for sure. I'm excited already for next year. Yep. 
Well, yeah. hey, man, thanks for doing this today. Like, I had a great conversation. I mean, just from talking to you on social media a little bit, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. So um, yeah. I appreciate it. And, man, congrats on your fall. I know you went through some stuff, you know, like you said earlier. But yeah. I think from the grand scheme of things, to go kill an elk by yourself, I mean, that's – I don't know how yeah. many Michigan guys are doing that, you know, like um, <laughs> not trying to make you feel any more prideful or anything like that. But, I mean, that's a really cool thing um you know getting after it in these other spots and doing that but i think you're i like how you're very open and honest that like hey my life is set up in a way that i have the amount of time to do it been committed to this for years you know mm-hmm. like we're not trying to say there's there's no magic recipe to doing this it takes time um right. you you can maybe there's a few people who have just that property like where right. they can they can go do that and and just because we're passing three and a half year old deer doesn't mean you have to, like you said, you know, like that's one of those things too, like you got to work yourself up to it. And there's a lot of heartache that goes into it maybe, or, you know, tag soups, very realistic thing to have, but uh-huh. there is a silver lining to it. Like that, that challenge. And like, I, I scout more because of it. I learn more stuff. Um, you know, I get more enjoyment when I'm sitting in a tree and that three and a half year old buck walks by, I don't shoot them. Well, guess what? I keep hunting. You know, like yeah, I right. chase and so there's a lot of good things, but no good conversation. I do appreciate appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Persistence when the when the time to hunt is is on, you know, that's just get after it and just go as hard as you can, you know. I, I just love it. It's what I do. <laughs> Find some blueberry trees to hunt by, I guess. We got that's a new yeah, tactic I've never heard of. Uh, come, come get some. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. We'll see you later.